Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Cha Cha Mystique, and you now tuned into Live at Radio. We have a dope St. Patrick's Day special where we're going to break down history, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding with Professor Kaba. Um, I, I, you know, I know I was calling him Brother Kaba, but as I'm doing my research on this beloved man, you know, I, I think it, it, it is disrespectful for me, me to just look at him as a brother as opposed to naming him who he is. Um, he's definitely a professor, definitely an educator, you know, and I want to treat him as such, you know, I want to provide him with that respect because it's well-deserved, you know what I'm saying? Hello! Hey, hotep to my sister Cha-Cha. Yes, hotep to Professor Kaba. Yes, yes um, yeah, so let me let me tell um Clubhouse that I'm ready. Um to to so we can get this thing cracking. I got so much to ask you, especially about the Dogon tribe, because you talk about the Dogon tribe tribe a lot. And um there's a lot of speculation and I know you work towards debunking a lot of myths and, and, and you really speak power to truth. That's one of your your taglines. Hello, y'all ready? Yes, can you hear me properly? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. All right, so for so so those that are on Instagram, oh, I'm sorry. So for those that are on Instagram right now, we're going to be doing um um Clubhouse simultaneously. We have a dope group. Shout out to Team Pack Up. I'm definitely in the building. Um, if they like, they would like. They're going to ask questions, but I ask you guys to reserve your questions after I get through through to the interview. As you can see, as many dope people in the building. We also mm -hmm. have um almost a hundred people on Instagram right now. So we're gonna be doing a damn thing. So I kind of want to get a little background from you before we start with the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. So where are your roots from um, um, coming up? And how did you get into education? What sparked that, that knowledge in you to make you want to teach the world? Okay. Uh, first, my sister Chacha, thank you so much for this opportunity to talk to the community. I really appreciate and I respect the work that you're doing, getting this information to our children and to our people. So much prop to you for doing this kind of work. And, you know, my background comes um, from New York, born and raised in New York, grew up in the Amsterdam projects down by Lincoln Center. Uh, and um, my father's from Alabama and my mother's from Boston. So those are my roots as it relates to my family. And culture was always a part of my family because prior to my name, Kaba Hiawatha Kamene, my name was Booker T. Coleman. Yes. And so nobody ever mentioned my name, even Dr. Clark, who I considered to be my teacher. The first thing he told me was, oh, Booker T., you're going to be a great teacher one day. Even though, Sister Chacha, I wanted to be an astronaut at the time he told me that. So it's interesting how things are so prophetic that you actually become the name that you were named, even though at young, you didn't realize it. And, and so um, what got me into education, because I was into communication, I, you know, I was into radio, and I was into television. And I went out to Gary, Indiana, as a weekend disc jockey and a production manager. 
for a newly acquired uh, radio station, WLTH, in Gary, Indiana. And while I was there, the teacher from Roosevelt High School that taught uh, is the all-black high school in Gary, Roosevelt High School. Um, the teacher that taught radio and television went on sabbatical, and so they asked me if I would be interested in, in, in filling in for him for the year. And because my production job started at four in the afternoon and because I was a weekend disc jockey, I was open during the day. And I said, this is a great way to learn the community, be around the young people, get a sense of the music. And, you know, I could bring New York to Gary, Indiana. And um, it was in November. And a brother, now this brother, just a background information on this brother. Uh, and remember, my job is really in communications. I'm just filling in for a teacher that went on leave. And this brother came to me with a form to be excused the next day from class. He was going to court and it was a serious offense. And the brother used to come to my class clean every day. He was my best student. He did all my work. He was never late. And sometimes he'd even stay a little bit later just asking a question or two. And I said to him, you know, brother, you're, you're my best student. You know, you've got everything going on and you're never absent from class and you're always on time. You know, I said, like, how did you, how could he, he said, well, you know, things happen. And I said, but you're always in school. He said, well, I'll be honest with you, your class is the only class I come to. I come in second period and I leave right after uh, or right before third. And I, I said to him, why? You know, what is it about the class that draws you? And yet you still could be confronting these types of challenges. And he said, because I honestly feel that you respect me and that I can be wow. who I am when I'm with you. Sister Chata, that turned me into education. I left my job. In fact, the people, the program director and folk made me write out a letter of resignation because he said nobody would believe that you'd be willing <laughs> to leave. I was getting paid five times the amount in communications in the radio station than I was as a teacher. Five times the amount. But I was so taken back by this brother that it could be simply to respect the young brother. This was high school. Simply respecting a young brother and coming to him with respect and honor, yet at the same time, as an adult, as a teacher, I could have had that impact. I said, that's my life. And so I resigned from radio and television, came back to New York in 1979 and started teaching. And I stayed in South Central Bronx, District 9, for 31 years, three months, and 15 days. Wow, and counting. And counting, because yes. you know, you get paid by the day, Sister Cha-Cha. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. And shout out to another fellow Harlem Knight. I'm in Harlem right now on the east side. Mm. So much love and respect to you on, on that, you know. So, you know, and, and I, that resonates with me because I feel like currently in the, in the school system now, a lot of young black boys don't have a lot of people that they could look to that can relate to in the system you know it's oversaturated with people from other cultures and ethnicities that don't 
come from the same struggles and backgrounds, especially from young black boys. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of our youth go into the school system with their own baggage, whether it be coming from the household or from society. And, you know, um, and when they in the school system, they spend a lot of their time there away from their parents and having that primary instruction coming from the system. And to be in those institutions and not having somebody to relate to or being targeted, you know, because I currently homeschool my kids and, you know, I have them write journals. And one of the most profound things one of my sons told me was, you know, that that he noticed was black boys were getting more detention than their counterparts. Mm -hmm. And I, that wasn't nothing that was inspired by me or cause you know, I'm very pro black and, you know, always, um, noticing or trying to, um, show light of the, the, um, unfairness mm -hmm. in society, but that came straight for him. And I was like, wow, you know what I'm saying? For you to be 11 years old and able to understand and notice, uh, those type of differences. So if my son was facing that while he was in the school system, I'm pretty sure many other black boys are facing that. And even during that process, don't have a counselor or a teacher or anybody to, voice those concerns to within those institutions. So, so yeah, kudos to you. I, I salute that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, in, in my career in the board of education, cause you know, I've had some hard hits, uh, you know, I've had some, some students that was just, you know, they wasn't having it. You know what I'm saying? And I understand, but I never sent any child to detention and I never called for anybody's parent to come in. Because what I used to tell those brothers, I used to sit down, and sisters too, sometimes sisters get a little uh, there too. Besides but, themselves. Um, yeah, yeah, they do, but I approach sisters differently because of the energy that's coming forward. Okay. But I basically tell them the same thing. Because I can, you know, because I tell the brother, I say, look, man, I know everybody be calling your grandma in here because your grandma the one to get power over you. They can call your mother and father in, and I notice that, you know, you don't necessarily adjust to them. But when grandma come in, I see she got the power over you. And I, and I said, I know I could call grandma right now and have her come over here. And I know that you would have problems and you'd be very unhappy. Yes. I said, I know I could send you to detention. But I'm preparing you for prison if I do that. Yes. Because I want you to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do and not because you're afraid that grandma going to come up in here or that I'm going to put you in detention. Because detention is junior high school prison understand that this is like rikers in school and i don't want to start your mind set on doing the right thing because you're afraid because that's the reward and punishment the system has you under that eventually will get most of us in prison because the reason why we do the right thing is not because it's the right thing but because i'm afraid of what's going to happen to me if i don't you you got to do it because it's the right thing, brother. And I'm asking you, man, stop interrupting my class when I'm teaching. You know, because I'm trying to get information to you so you can move. Here's another thing, Chacha. I had experience, well, I had a number of these experiences. But I've taught every class, every grade, and every subject in my career. And when I was a social studies teacher, I taught middle school. And in this particular eighth grade, you're teaching American history, George Washington, and all the rest of it, right? And so the um, the students 
uh, said to me, Brother Kaba, this is boring. I said, yeah, this is boring. Uh, how boring is it? They, they said, Brother Kaba, this is really boring. I said, how boring? They said, Brother Kaba, this is boring. George Washington, you know, apple tree, you know, cherry tree and all that nonsense. I said, well, multiply that by 10. And that's how bored I am teaching you this nonsense. But I got to get you to pass this test on Friday. And I made a deal with him. I said, here's a deal. Give me 20 minutes to teach you what you need to know to pass this test. And then I'll spend the rest of the 20 minutes teaching you what you need to know about George Washington and about that pedophile Thomas Jefferson. I'll teach you what you need to know. But let me teach you what you need to know to pass because you got to get up out of here. You don't play basketball using baseball rules. It's not that baseball rules are bad. It's just that it's not the game. Play the rules to the game to get where you got to go so you can get what you need to have. And I'm going to teach you how to do that. Now, my sister, I have students that contact me now that remind me of things that I said to them when we were in the classroom. Like another thing, I never had brothers take their hats off in my class. I didn't care if they wore their hats. But I told them, I said, if you see the principal, you better snatch that hat off. But when you're in my class, I don't care if you wear it. Because I don't know why I would tell you to take your hat off, except understand this. If you're going for a job, you better take your hat off. Because that's a social custom. They say, well, why we, why we have to take our hats off? Because that's a social custom. And yes. social customs are going to be what gets you your job, that's going to pay your rent, put food on the table, take care of you and your family. And there is a social custom that says men take their hats off indoors. I can't tell you that you're going to get sick. I can't tell you that you're going to forget things because you have your hat on. There's no reason why I tell you to take your hat off except it's a social custom. Know when to have it on and know when not to have it on. But when you're in my class, I couldn't care less if you wear your hat. But if the principal come up in here, make sure you take your hat off. Yes. Now, now, before we move uh, away from your experience as an educator in New York, I mean, we're not going to get off your education, of course not, but your experience in the school system, I want to ask this one important question. How was it, what, was it, was it a real struggle trying to teach your curriculum as opposed to the standard core curriculum that the Department of Education provides the school system, you know, because, um, as a homeschooler, I know that there is a core education I have to make sure my kids know, you know, um, I may have a little bit more freedom because uh, to teach them the real truth about uh, certain things. But I know the, the institutions don't. They they have a pretty much cookie cutter and go by the exact rule for the most part. And I know in some cases as black educators are in these institutions they have to walk that fine line and highly mask the truth uh in the situation like you know uh, subjects like what if you're talking about christopher columbus or anything like that so was it much of a struggle trying to implement um true knowledge wisdom and understanding as opposed to core curriculum from the department of education and um gearing towards their standards my sister, I live in what might be called, I think, the way I think, 
I, I call it a plantation mentality. When we were on the plantations of this hemisphere, we learned the way of the European. And we manipulated and navigated through our lives to get where we are now. That's what I did. Struggle. I knew it was going to be a struggle just by the nature of what I was trying to tell the children compared to who I was working with. I had, because there was a part of my career, I was an assistant principal and also I was director of social studies. We had 35 schools in my district in the Bronx and I developed a curriculum for the social studies. Three quarters of the teachers repudiated my work. But it was the one quarter that I work with. I, I used to give sessions and teachers wouldn't show up. I didn't wow. care. I didn't care. I only wanted to talk to the ones that was ready to do this. See, that, that, that was my approach. And those that didn't come were afraid to say they didn't come because they would get in trouble. So they, they didn't know what I taught. So I kept quiet. They kept quiet. And I was able to work with teachers that wanted to do this. Because I don't have time, Sister Chacha. We don't have time to deal with some of these knuckleheads that are out here. People yeah. that don't want to teach our children their culture. Let me tell you something, as far as I'm concerned when it comes to knowledge and wisdom. Right information taught wrong is worse than wrong information not taught. In other words, what I'm saying is that I have noticed that I've worked with some teachers that had no interest in teaching what I taught, yet they were mandated to do it, but they did such a bad job, I wish I had never even encountered them in the first place. Wow. So I've always worked with people who are ready to make this move, and I've always negotiated it in the sense that for those of you with all that big mouth that don't want to come up in here, you shut your mouth or I'll report you. And if I report you, you, your money will get docked. And if your money gets docked, you know what's going to happen. So you want to be flipping, not come to my workshops? That's okay. I don't care. I really don't want you in the room anyway. Yeah, we don't this need none of that energy. Say that? Yeah, no, because we have to do this, Sister Chacha. Yeah. When all is said and done, we have to do this. Going back to students outside of our culture teaching our children. Great majority of them are young women of European descent who basically couldn't find anything in their lives to do. And they went to school, got a college degree, and they eventually became teachers. But they didn't want to be a teacher. They didn't have the passion to be a teacher. They just wanted a good benefit plan and a job to pay money. And so in, in my thing, they say to me, you know, are you telling me that white people can't teach black children? I don't say that. Because I've had the opportunity to meet teachers of all different cultures that were phenomenal teachers. Phenomenal teachers. They could teach math. They could teach reading. They could teach science. They were good teachers. I don't say they should not teach our children. I say we should. Yes. I'm, and I, and I'm, I'm, a firm, I'm a firm believer of that as well. But my sister, we must do this ourselves. It's not every group, the Irish, the Italian, and Europeans of Jewish faith. When they became the dominant people, children, in the school system, they took it over. 
in order for the Irish community to teach their Irish children, the Italian community to teach their children, for the European community who is of Jewish faith, teach their culture to their children, they had every right to do it. Now it's our time to step up since our children are in the majority. It's yes. now time to clean house and to become our children's teacher. And, and you know, my sister Chacha, my first license is in early childhood. I started as a kindergarten teacher. And I could write a book alone on my experiences with four and five-year-olds who saw me. Now, mind you, the great majority, if not all of the meetings I went to in my career when I was a kindergarten teacher, not only was I the only man in the room, I was the only black person in the room. Wow. There were others where there were black women kindergarten teachers. But when I was there between 79 and 09, I was the only black man in the room. And I'm telling brothers... And that's you sad make... because that's early education. You know, that's, that's some of the most informative years that uh, set these children on their path. That early instruction is very cru crucial. So I, I totally get it. That's right. Because when I left high school in Gary and I decided to become a teacher... I said, where could I be most effective? And I said, let me get those babies before they put the nonsense on their brains. Let me be what implants their pride, their courage, their dignity. Let me be that person. My sister Chacha, I could write a book on children of uh, the children that I had in my class. And mind you, teachers spend more time with, chil with children than their parents do. And so I had children, they, they say, uh, you remind me of my daddy. You look like my daddy. Can I call you daddy? To which my response is, I am your daddy. I yes. didn't bring you in. But as long as you're in my presence, I'm responsible for you. So I am your parent. In Africa, every adult male is called Baba. Every adult female is called Mama. And it is our obligation to be that adult instruction when we're with you. So yeah, I am. Well, you, you know that the etymology of pupil is actually orphan, so it kind of makes sense if you really look at it. Yes, that is it. And you see, that's that's I I I want our brothers to become kindergarten teachers because I you know when I go into classrooms and I do staff development, and I see a brother in the room, I make it my business to tell him, you know, like if he's kindergarten first grade teacher, I say, you know. You have such an impact on those children in your class. You wouldn't even have to open up your mouth and you're going to have an influence on them. Just seeing a black man in authority in that classroom does so much for a four or five-year-old black child. I'm going to tell you another story. I'm a teacher, Chacha. I got a lot of stories. So okay. I, I used to ride the bus to work before I had a car. And I remember, you know, there were brothers in the morning that would get on, you know, and they'd have an outdated uh, bus pass or maybe not even have a bus pass and, you know, try to get on the bus for free. And most bus drivers know that these young people are going to school. They just don't have the right bus pass or something like that. And this one bus driver, this brother, uh, kicked the brother off the bus because the brother tried to get slick and pass by him with a, a fake bus pass. And the, and the bus driver called him back. And said, man, you know, that's not valid, man. Why are you coming up here trying to mess with me? He said, you have to get off. So the brother got off. 
And then what happened is that um, the um, at, when, when the brother got off and then I kept going, I moved up to the front of the bus. And I, I introduced myself to the bus driver. And I said, you know, brother, I said, you know, I, you know, I watched when the brother got on and was trying to get on without. And, you know, he started telling me about how they do this every day and they think they slick and they trying to get over. And I said, you know, but brother, I want to tell you something. I said, you may not realize this, but I'm a teacher. And um, one thing that I know for sure is that you might be the first black man that those children encounter in their life every day. And how you react to them and how you interact with them is very important. I said, I know you may not realize it because you're doing your thing and there, but I realize the impact that a black man has on a black child, particularly a black boy. And I said, I just want to make you aware of this just in case you're thinking. Because if you could bring that brother on and instruct him on the right way to do it, because you know he's going to school. It's not like he's not going to school. And, you know, the brother was listening to me and he heard me. Okay, end of day, go back. Okay, I'm on the bus again. And I noticed that that brother is outside. But when he see that bus driver, he know he going to get kicked off. So he's not going to try to get on. He's looking for the bus driver that he can always get over on. And so the bus driver, you know, when the, when the brother sees him, the bus driver see him too. And he sees him. He said, no, 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 brother, come on over here, man. Come on over here. And so he said, come on up. And see, the brother gets up, you know, and he's wondering what's going on. He said, man, sit over here. No, 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 no. Sit over here. No, because the brother was going to go to the back. He said, no, no, sit over here. I want to talk to you for a minute. And so he started talking to the brother. And he said, come on, brother, you know that. You know, if somebody tried to skip the line on you at lunch, how would you feel? He said, that's exactly what you're trying to do to me. You, you come on the bus, you say, sir, I don't have my bus pass. I have a fake bus pass, but I don't feel like using it. But I do need to go to school because I'm going to be late and <laughs> get in trouble. And so the brother dropped it on him. And pretty soon the younger brother, you could see that he was getting it. And afterwards, I went up to the, uh, you know, then the brother gets off where he's going. Uh, and then I'm getting off and then I get, you know, I come up to the front a few stops in front of where I'm supposed to get off. And I explain, I, I said, brother, miracles happen today. Yes. I, I said, you've impacted that young black man for the rest of his day. He's going to remember you from now on. And you might be the one person that turns him around that he'll go to the office and say, look, I need a new bus pass. This ain't working. It shifted his core. You know what I'm saying? It It impacted him to where it shifted his core and in turn will shift his behavior moving forward. So, yeah, people people don't understand that. So, I kind of want to, since we're talking about educators and we're talking about uh, people, and and, and I know, um, and I want to, and this um, question is really for Team Pack Up. Shout out to everybody on Team Pack Up stage listening right now. Um, Yeah, so um, they've been talking about aliens. Right. And before um, um, in your and when we first started talking, you and when you were describing yourself, you said you wanted to be an astronaut. Right. And we know that the Dogon tribe was very smart and beyond their years. They were into spirituality, into astrology, into that kind of thing. But there is also, uh, I guess uh, you would say, theories out there that may feel like the Dogon tribe and other tribes of Africa that was very highly um, intelligent may not be of this world, so to speak. So can you speak life to that? Can you let us know um, 
um, are, are they of this world for real or are they are star seeds or, or, or things like that? Okay. Okay, here we go. <laughs> He's because, got two breath on that one. But yeah, we're ready. Well, you know, my sister, I'm going to drop it according to my research. Okay. And according to what I've studied. In terms of study of the language, the study of the psychology. See, psychology is not the study of the mind. Psychology comes from the Kush comedic word saku, which means soul. Psychology is the study of the soul, not the study of the mind. So that what I want to do is step back. Because in my book that I wrote, Spirituality Before Religions, I, I, I break this concept down so that folk can somewhat fathom how deep this is. Rap music is built on the same thing that the Dogon were talking about as it relates to the metaphor. We, people, darker than blue, we black folk, we are of the earth, but we are made up of those things in the stars. We are starlings, not earthlings. We did not come of the earth. The earth is what concretized us, that shaped us, that organically shaped the animals, the plants, and the human beings. And so it's important to understand the role that nitrogen plays. But carbon, carbon is what organized hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and brought it all together to create organic life on Earth. So when the Dogon were talking about coming from there, they're right. We do come from there. We, we are children of the sun. We are light, heat, and sound energy that is shaped within a physical body. However, we are of the heavens. We are not of the planet. The planet could not give life. Life is, comes from light, heat, and sound energy of the sun. Ra. Ra, the image of the sun, the light, the heat, and the sound energy that is emanated from. So when the Dogon were speaking of that, because keep in mind also, not only were the Dogon phenomenal astronomers, they were also as great agriculturally. So as above, so below. So when they found the secrets of the earth, they found the secrets of the heavens. And when they told their story, they told it in metaphor, comparing, just like we do in rap. We do the same thing in rap, maybe different words, maybe different contexts. But basically what the Dogon did is took what they knew and presented the concept as in things that they did not know. In other words, that which you know can unfold the truth as to what you may not know. So when the Dogon was talking from coming from outer space, they were not necessarily talking about physical beings. They were talking about starlight and star power. And when they looked at the Sirius A and the Sirius B systems and were able to chart these concepts that they were able to see a, a, a star Kizzy Uzi, that the Western world would not see until 1971. And not only did the Dogon see that star years ago, they also understood how it traveled around Sirius A, which is the bigger star, Sigitolo. And then 
the little teeny dwarf star was called Potolo. And Potolo revolved around Sirius A, but it was that little star that kept A on its rotational path. How could they see that without a telescope? Or did they have a telescope? Were their eyes telescopes? So that when you're dealing with aliens, I believe that Western civilization always wants to get into aliens when the information gets close to the fact that it's black people doing this. Yes. And I, I've always felt that the further back you go, the further black you get. Yes. And so when they get to their research where they begin to see the fundamental absolute genius of African people, that's when they got to give credit to alien beings. Because if we understood exactly who we were and how genius we are, if we could balance things. So some people say, oh, the Dogon, no, they were wrong. Ain't no aliens come here. And then there are other people that say, no, they talk about aliens coming here. What I'm saying is you're both right. But within the context of what you're talking about, yeah, we did come from out there. We are bits of light, heat, and sound energy encapsulated in this thing we call body. This body comes from the earth. But the spirit that makes us comes from the heavens. So, yeah, we did come from out there. But in the English language, alien means not of this world. It means something outside of this. No, we, not, we are not only outside of this, we are this. And as long as they can keep our eye off that prize... They can tell us anything. Yes. Now, um, if you don't mind, I would like to um, open some at least three questions for Team Pack Up because that question was inspired from a room that they they are conducting right now. And that's what made me feel compared to share this interview with them because we've been talking about um, this topic for a few days now. So I want to have give them the opportunity to be able to ask you questions. I'm limited to three because I, you know, I still have my my full length interview that I want to conduct. Um, Mikey B, yeah, you could um, at least three people who who's willing to come off their mic and want to ask them a question okay. pertaining to this. Alright, the first person I'm gonna um, let go. Yo, D Red, you want to go? Nah, you can give it to the house. Give it to the house. I appreciate it. We ain't gonna give it to no boss. Okay, so um, I just I just ask because I know you have people on here. Just please be very respectful, and 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 let's and let's get to it. So anybody, I'm I'm limited to three because I want to move forward. I have a anybody long list of questions. Who who said that? Oh, we we online. We on a live interview with Professor Kaba Kamene. So, Stack, you want to ask your question? Yeah, I want to ask. I want to ask the the legend. Um, can you hear him, Kaba? Professor Kaba, you can hear him. Uh, on and off. If 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 you could just repeat his question. Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna repeat it once he asks it. I'm gonna repeat it. Go ahead, um, Stack. I would like to ask him something what his thoughts are of the late great Dr. Delbert Blair okay. to maybe speak on some topics 
the, the Delbert Blair used to speak on. Okay, you heard his question, the late um, I, great I heard Delbert. about Delbert Blair, yeah. Yeah, Dr. he wants to know Blair. your thoughts about that. Oh well, well, Doctor Blair was my brother. You know, we you know we've done work together. Uh, much respect to Doctor Blair and all that he brought out. I mean, he, you know, I used to always tell him, brother, my mind is like a rubber band when I'm around you. You take my mind, you just stretch it, brother. But brother, when you finish talking, the rubber band snaps back. But it's never at the same place it was before you started talking. That brother made me think. He made me think about a lot of things. He took me places that normal speakers didn't take me. He and also my good brother Bobby Hemet and my brother Phil Valentine. You know, they, they, they all are able to stretch your minds to think. And so much respect to all the work that Dr. Delbert Blair did. And what I say to the younger generations is that with everything that we say, I'm speaking about the elder generation that we're going through. Dr. Shekhanta Diop, the great scholar, did not have a Shekhanta Diop. He, he blazed a trail in this new information that we have. It's old information, but it's new considering our consciousness. The same is true for, um, for, uh, for the other scholars that came up. Same is true for me. Same is true for Dr. Delbert Blair. This information that we're sharing, we're doing the best we can with what we have. And every generation is going to take it to the next level. So that's why Sister Chacha and, and those who are asking the question and are concerned, I'm always careful about saying what's true and what's not because I know that future generations is going to take this information to the next level. Yes. And you're going to find out things. But the way you'll find these things out is because you are exposed to us. Nobody come up with this, all this information on their own. Every generation impacts the one that's following. And you learn something, then you study it. Like right now, Medunetta is on a level that it wasn't 30 years ago when I first started. We have people who are studying Medunetta who are coming with information now that the people that started it, like Sister Ricketti Wimby and bb2me.com and others didn't have that information back then. It wasn't exposed, but it was their work exposed to younger people that younger people took it to the next level. And the next generation is going to take their work to the next level. And that's what I say for all of us. I'm very careful to say what's right or wrong because we're all very young here in this information. And it's not the time to tell people who's right and who's wrong. It's about putting the, put, putting the information on the table. And I tell people all the time, Sister Chacha, don't believe a word I say. I'm not interested in you believing me. All I want to do is make you think. And if yes. I can make you think, then I've done my job. See, yes. a lot of times people come at you and they depend on you believing them. And their ego is caught up in whether or not you believe them. And then when you ask questions, they start to debate with you because now you're threatening their security. I ain't like that. I know what I'm saying could be more accurate. And I know future generations will make it more accurate. What I do, I do for them. I do for the younger brothers and sisters out here. So that you take what I found out to the next level. You'll find out things that I don't know. I pray that you share with me what you found out. Because I'm about the truth, not my truth. Dr. Yes. Delbert Blair presented information for us all to think about. 
and to consider exactly what is terrestrial and what is extraterrestrial. And I think that when all is said and done, we're going to find out that we as human beings are both. We are of this earth and we are out of this earth. But when you put it together, this is who we are as a people. See, I don't like the English language. Malcolm was right. English is a language of liars. You can say something and not mean it. You know, it's called a homophone. A homophone is a word that uh, sounds alike but spelled differently. In Africa, there is no homophones. Because if I said to you, borrow, okay, now, sister, I know what, I know, Chacha, you'll know what I'm talking about. For people who may not be from New York, uh, sister Chacha lives in Manhattan borough. Yes. I'm, I'm from Bronx borough. Okay. There's Queens borough, Brooklyn borough, Staten Island borough. Five boroughs make up New York City. But you can have an animal that's a borough. B-U-R-R-O, uh, B-U-R-R-O. That's an animal. Sound the same. Burrow, burrow. You can also have a hole called a burrow. B-U-R-R-O-W. Sound alike, spelled differently. If I'm talking to you and I use the word burrow, you have to know the context in which I'm using that word to understand which word I'm using. Yeah. But if you go into the Yoruban language, you can have a word like E-W-E and one word, and there's maybe... More than one way to pronounce that word. Iwe, Iwe. So it's the intonation of my voice that's going to tell you the context of the word. It's like if I said, burrow, meant the, uh, meant the animal, burrow, meant where you live. If I change the intonation of my voice that told you which burrow I was using. But in English, you have something known as homophones. Same sound. And so I'm concerned about the English language. And concerned with a word like alien. Because when you're dealing from a cosmic perspective, alien doesn't exist. Because in the cosmos, everything is related. I'm related to you. It's not different. There's no difference. There's no difference. There's no alien. There's nothing that is outside of me. I am as much a part of a dolphin as I am a tree, as I am a rock, as I am another person. And, As you know, I am I star. That's it. And, and once you understand that, you understand the two cosmic commandments. The first cosmic commandment is to understand that each and every one of us is the creator having a human experience. You, know, you don't have to look out here for the creator. And you don't have to look in here for the creator. I watched the creator brush his teeth this morning. I watched the creator wash his face. Because I am the creator having a human experience. Chacha, you are the creator having a human experience with a divine purpose having been placed on this planet. The people who are listening to our conversation, you are the creator having a human experience. And the second commandment is to treat the creator's creations as you would treat yourself. So, Sister Chacha, if I see myself as a god, and I see you as a God. How I treat you and the God in you is how I treat the God in me. 
So if I disrespect you, I am immediately disrespecting me. And a lot of people think that when someone disrespects you or says something really bad to you, you say, wow, they disrespected you. No, they didn't disrespect me. They, was, they disrespected the God within them. And yes. that's what they will have to answer to when all is said and done. You're not disrespecting me. You're disrespecting yourself. And you are projecting onto me the disrespect you have for yourself by trying to disrespect me because you don't have the courage to do to yourself what you need to do. So you're going to project those feelings onto me. I hope I answered wow. brother's question about Delbert Blair. Yes, yes. Because he's, um, he's my brother. I love that brother, but but that brother used to take me places I never went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so um yeah, anybody else who has a, another question, I want to keep this thing flowing. Um please say I, your question. I got one if nobody don't have one. Good. Um do um do we think this this planet Earth is a is a flat planet or a circle uh -oh. planet? Uh oh, here we go. Here <laughs> you we heard go. that. I ain't gotta repeat it. <laughs> Here yeah, because these these are hot topics on Clubhouse. Like Let, you know, you're hey. gonna find a lot of rooms with a lot of these debates: the flat Earth yeah. versus the globe, yeah. and yes, and stuff yes. like that. I don't know. I just know that I'm here. I never get into those type of debates because I don't know. Oh. But I would love to hear your thoughts about that. Woo wee! I put something up the other day. I you know I was having a uh, interview. I was having a discussion with my brother Chase McGee from the Voice of the Ancestors, and we happened to talk about you know, this concept of the flat earth and the, the you know, the concepts of it. And um, when I saw the post and the comments, Sister Chacha, I couldn't believe, I mean, people was writing manifestos. They were writing essays. <laughs> when I posted up on, 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 on George Floyd, when I posted up on Breonna Taylor, when I put up anything that I've ever put up that was controversial, challenging, I never got the response that I got as it related to the flat earth. Yeah, that's such a hot topic these days. So let me, let me start off with this. I don't care if the earth is flat or if it's spherical. As long as it keep doing what it's doing, I'd be happy. Because, you know, when all is said and done, well, let, 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 let me just put it to you like this, and then I'll continue with this thought. I come from the perspective of science. I look at the principles of science. And the principles of science tells me that the sun, the earth, many of the planets are spherical. They're not flat. Okay. Now I know people say, well, when you look up at the sun, all you see is a circle. But Sister Chacha, when I look at you, all I see is you. And the thing that's the, 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 the furthest, because that's two-dimensional. When you look at the sun and you see just that circle, you're looking at a two-dimension. You're looking at something two-dimensional. I'm looking at you two-dimensional right now. You're looking at me two-dimensional. You can't see depth. You know, you, you know, you can see length and you can see width. But you can't see the back of my head. So because I'm looking up there and I'm saying that the sun is a disc because I only see what's there, two-dimensional, then I would also say that humans are flat. 
Because the way I'm looking at you is the way I would look at the sun. But now, let me get into the science of it. And, and by science, I mean knowledge. Okay? And what I normally do is I take a piece of paper. And so we're going to go to basketball on this. And what, what I do is I tell people, I take a trash can and I put it real close to them. And I say, okay, now I want you to make, put this in the garbage can. Throw it in the garbage can. And when they throw it, of course, the paper is going to go like this. Now, in science, you have something known as centrifugal force and centripetal force. Centrifugal force is a force that emanates from the core and pushes out. But at the same time that it's pushing out, the dynamics of centrifugal force also pulls in. And it keeps it within its realm. That's what keeps the planets going around the sun. Then you have centripetal force. Centripetal force is a force that comes from the outside and pushes in, but at the same time pulls out. When centrifugal force marries centripetal force, you then have the force that is going to be what makes things spherical. Here is centrifugal force. And here is centripetal force. This force is going like this. Pulling in. This is going like this and going out. Okay. Let's take this piece of paper again. Here is centrifugal force. Pushing out. Here is centripetal force. Pushing in. By the nature of this force. It creates three wow. dimensions. Now for I those say that to are them, on Clubhouse, for those that are on Clubhouse, he just did a demonstration um, using something. Um, I know you are only getting the audio of this, so what I would do is I advise you to go to my page, um, click my Instagram link, and through that you could get my YouTube page. I will put the link up later on. Um, after this interview is over, I just don't want to be doing too much right now and messing things up. So, um, and then I'll, you will get the, and, um, subscribe to my YouTube channel so you can get the notification when I publish this interview and you'll be able to see the demonstration he just did, um, explaining this theory. Okay, go ahead. And, you then, can what, finish. and then what I do simply, my sister, is I just tell them now throw this in the garbage. Yes. Because once these two forces act on something that pushes it in, it creates a perfect sphere. And that's what allows the planets to revolve. That's what allows the stars to move. Because if the stars and the planets were flat, they wouldn't be able to travel in space because being flat, they would be going like this. And what I say to people is bounce a flat basketball. Take all the air out the basketball, make it flat. Now bounce it. It goes against the laws of nature. It's not going to bounce. It's only when you make it spherical that it bounces. Same thing with golf ball. Same thing with baseball. Same thing with tennis ball. That's what makes things move, is the, the impact that nature has on an object in order to make it uh, spherical or round, but more importantly, three-dimensional. Because people will say, well, when I look up at the sun, that's round. But yeah, but I'm talking about three dimension. 
not two dimensions. So, so where do you think people will get that notion that the Earth is flat? Like I said, I'm 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 neutral in this conversation. You know, I hear it happen a lot. I never, I just sit and listen to the different back and forth and the different debates because I don't know. You know, I only speak on things that I do know and and I actually care about. Only thing I care about in that type of situation is the fact that I'm here. I don't care if it's flat. It could be hexagon. It could be triangle. But the yeah, fact that I'm great. here in existence. Yeah. That's, that's my it. only concern. And whether or not it's fair, square, or whatever, I don't think that's going to change the the um, my existence being no. here. So it's never been a thing that I, I took state in trying to, to fully understand. But because, shout out to um, shout out to the stage that we're on right now, uh, um, Team Packup. Yes, Team Packup. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little flustered. You know, but, you know, they asked that question, so I want to honor them with that. And they've been gracious hosts to me. You know, they've been showing me great hospitality in their room. And so I thought it would be great sharing um, this interview with them on, on their stage. And, and shout out to everybody in the room. But um, why do you feel like that's a topic of discussion right now? Because I never saw that before. And, you know, I've been in a lot of discussions. You know, I like to run my mouth from time to time. Why you feel like, you know, all of a sudden um, and, um, this thing is happening? And not only, why do you feel like the, some people may carry that theory or that notion that it, the, um, the earth is flat or maybe in a dome as opposed to a globe? Well, I go back to what you said earlier, my sister Chacha. I don't care what it is. Oh, okay. If it's flat and it has done what it's done and we're on this planet, I'm with it. If it's round and it does what it does, hexagonal, oxagon, I don't care. But what I'm perceiving is that people have taken it to another, because you see, when Cristobal Colon first got on the waters, that's what Europe believed. Europe believed that the earth was flat. And when you get to a certain point on the earth, you'll fall off. But in all the years that I've experienced, I've never heard of a boat falling off the earth. So how could that happen? If the earth is flat and boats have traveled on the water, at what point are they going to fall off the flatness of the earth? And are we saying that just recently with all of the different uh, spaceships that went up, what I'm hearing people say is that that's all fake. Yeah, that they're not up. leaving. They hit in yeah. the, um, what they call it? I forgot what they call it. The atmosphere. No, but uh, not the dome, but what? But it, 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 it got a name. It's, it's right there at the Can edge. Pack up, help me. It's, it's right there at the edge. Of the atmosphere. The firmament. There you go. They're saying that the, the, these things can't reach past the firmament. That's why. Yeah, and it's actually, a, uh, it, it, it gets smacked right back down to earth. There hasn't been a successful launch. What, what? How do you feel about that? The firmament is a biblical term. The firmament in ancient Kush, Kemet, it was called Nut. N-U-T. It was a female energy that separated air from earth and allowed the light and heat energy to come down and create life on earth. It's in the Shabaka Stone. That's the third book that I wrote. Because you see, family, this is the information that we have to get to. 
Our ancestors knew that the earth was round and three-dimensional. Three they knew that the sun was three-dimensional. And when you look at certain Meduneta uh, symbols, you'll see that they purposely rounded it off. And they carved it in stone and on leather in ways that you knew they were depicting a round object. That's the evidence that I come with. I come with thousands of years of writings and carvings where our ancestors understood. We also know that they understood that stars were gaseous balls by the way in which they depicted them even on King Tut's tomb. We can see this. And I believe that this is whenever anybody wants to take your attention away from your emancipation and liberation, they'll put a story out there and make you get caught up in it so that you will never really go back to trying to do something with your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that the way in which I see some people attach themselves to this belief of the flat earth is almost like they've made it a religion. Yeah, because it'd be heated. Them debates be real heated. I, I sat through a few of them, and they be really going at it. Like, Hey, you go to my Instagram page, and you look at where I'm on the voice of the ancestors. I mean, it's like 700 comments. But you want to know something else? I gained 400 followers, so thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that team pack up. 400 people joined. Yeah. So team pack up. I want to give you another opportunity to, to ask another question um, before I move on. Anybody else would like to um, ask him something? You want to ask him something? Raise your hand. Anybody in the group? Raise your hand. Yes, I'm not really checking the chats or anything like that. So you're going to have to come on stage. I don't, I you know. Go ahead. What about you, brother? Um, uh, my hand. Mahatwai, uh, uh, would you like to ask him a question? Mahatwai, um, I, I, I would just like to say that it's your point. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. Brother. Salute. All right, what so go in once, go in twice, because I'm going to just keep moving uh, forward. What about you, D-Red? I would, like, I would like to ask him about uh, this. I'd like to ask him about this. Everybody share this room. I appreciate it. Okay, you can ask your, your question, Ness. Um, I'd like to know uh, what made you go on this journey and uh, how long do you think you'll, you'll stick to it and how much further do you have to go? Wow. Did you hear that? Yes. Okay. Um, what, what made me go on this track, like I told you, was my experience with that brother. Yeah. What what made me um, go to uh, middle school was my experience with the high school students. And I saw that I wanted to get to the young people before they had their experiences going through all those grades. I've taught college. I taught college for uh, four years. I taught 12 years at State University at New Paltz. I was in black studies there. I taught a year at Fordham and I taught a year at Toro. So that's my background experience. Um, people, you know, when I tell people I retire, I tell people that's not the right term uh, because the day I retire is when they put me six feet underground 
and they put on my tombstone, rest in peace. That's right. I will do, I don't, retirement, I don't know what retirement means. What I'm doing right now, family, is I was born to do this. I yes. spent my life dedicated to our community, studying uh, information and also studying our community as to their reception of this information. I've learned how to present it to the community so that it's understandable. And I'm not talking under or over. I'm talking with our community. Mm-hmm. And Side I do not side. see ever not doing this. I don't see ever not doing this. And what motivates me to do this is not what I've studied. It's what I've experienced. Our yes. people, our, our, particularly our young people, they yearn. They're like a dry sponge in water when they get this information. It is so interesting and so powerful. Our children want to know this. I bear witness by their reception to this information throughout all the years that I've seen. And it's growing. You know, I'm, I'm seeing young people involved now. There was a time I went to a presentation, everybody was 50 plus. Now I go to a presentation, I see a young brother with a baby in a stroller. I see families with babies in strollers. It's different now. We're at a different stage. Remember, it's not long we've been out of them people putting shackles on us. Yes. And, and I want to ask you a question on that, you know, and I don't want to offend anybody. But before we get there, since we were still talking about Earth and space and aliens and things like that, one of the dear fell uh the dear um um celestial beings that really mean the most to me in this universe is the sun and you spoke about that all the time even in this um conversation where you refer to us as children of the sun and i feel like that as well um earlier i was in um team pack up and we had a a debate about the sun and and all these different things like that. But I sun gaze in the morning and I feel like it's through the sun you receive information of the universe. You are able to get um, majestic messaging and knowing, not belief, but knowing. Um, you'll be able to have information that you didn't learn from a book or um, from any kind of teaching. It's just something that becomes embedded in you and then you apply that knowledge to your life. I truly do believe that because as more as I'm tapping into my spirituality, which is a new venture for me, um, comparing it to how long I've been on this earth, it is new. And the more, more and more I sun gaze, the more intact and in tune I feel with all the beings around me, even nature as like trees and things like that. You know, I live close to Central Park. There was an experience that I had before where I was earthing and sun gazing while I'm sitting out here walking my dog. And I was able to have a vivid vision of being able to see the past and um, looking at the trees like if it was actually a living being. I mean, we all know that it's living, but I saw it living in a way I never saw it before. Like if it was actually communicating with me spiritually. And I'm getting a lot of those um, experiences these days, you know, the more and more I tap into that, you know, please don't think I'm crazy or whatever, you know. So... 
And then I want to tie that into the experience that we are going through right now because the outermost layer is this, uh, of the sun is called corona, which um, expels electromagnetic waves to the earth. And then when you look at the skull, the top of the skull is also called corona as well. And I think that's the receptor, the giving, the giving and taking of information, the giving and taking of downloads. That's, you know, how I explain it. Do, and then we sit here going through this pandemic and you have the same powers that at be that in charge of this uh, or invested into this also use their funds to chemtrail our skies and to block out the sun. We all know Bill Gates is doing that. So do you feel like the core of what we're going through right now as far as this crisis is more of a virus of consciousness as opposed to some kind of illness and how does the sun truly impact especially melanated people the sun is to the human as the placenta is to the fetus mm. it is constantly sending information to us now it doesn't that. come like a teacher it doesn't come and talk to you, but it feeds you information through the light, heat, and sound energy. Yes. It's, it's you know, and when, you, and when you're in, the, but not only that, but at nighttime, the stars will bring you information. It's not just Especially the sun. Especially the moon, too. And, that's the, and moon with women in particular. Uh -huh. Because of the nature of the, the intimate relationship between the moon and the feminine energy on Earth. And so it becomes important for us to understand cosmology. And again, my sister, this is why I wrote the books that I wrote. Because I wanted us to understand what existed before religions. Spirituality before religions. And the science of who we are as a people. Humans, plants were born to be green. Nobody would argue with that. Plants, the leaves are green. And it's because of chlorophyll. Plant, uh, humans were born to be black to brown because of melanin. It's not superiority or inferiority. I, I don't make that point because I know too many melanated people ain't too bright. So <laughs> having melanin does not necessarily mean that you have guaranteed brightness. But it is an advantage in your life to understand that concept. And also... To all of our brothers and sisters who may not, in terms of skin, be deeply melanated. We have brothers and sisters who vary in shade. But that doesn't mean that you are not immersed in deep melanin in your body, in your eumelanin or your brain melanin, which is in your brain, neuromelanin. Yes. And I'm and I'm learning about that. I just that's one of my newest studies. You you know breaking down the different melanins, and that your melanin is very powerful, and and uh, uh, the, its characteristics. And and I'm noticing that the, the same powers that black out the sun when it's tapping to that your melanin because it's the information information transmitter. And you know if we ever was to be on some kind of grid chipped up somewhere, it's that your melanin that they're toggling in order to. Um, be able to send those um, waves of information from the pseudo clouds, these internet clouds, as opposed to the real clouds of the heavens. So, yes. Can, can you break that down a little further for us, for, for someone like me who is amateur to this knowledge? 
Okay. Melanin is a molecule. This is the next book I'm working on. Melanin. It's titled Carbon Before Melanin. Because I've been going to Dr. Sebi and his wife, Sister Dr. Ma'at, since 1988. And Dr. Sebi knew I was always into melanin. And Dr. Sebi, the African herbalist, used to always say, Book a tea. You're always talking about melanin. You have to talk about carbon. Carbon is what we need to look at. You have four basic atoms. And if, if I could just say this, because sometimes we get confused between what is an atom and what is an element. And what is a molecule. And you see, family, we were not taught this in school. So one of the first things I always tell people is, I don't blame anybody for not knowing this. Nobody taught us this. I didn't learn this in school. I learned this later on in my life. And Adam, let me take you to an ice cream store. And I'll explain this to you. I'm going to go to an ice cream store. And Adam is the flavor of ice cream. The element is the scoop of that flavor. And a molecule is when you put many different flavors together. You know, you put vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, okay? Those different scoops are the molecules that were built from the atoms and the molecule, and see, and, and from the atoms to the element. The element is the scoop itself. Atom is the flavor of the scoop. And the molecule is when you put different scoops together. If you put six scoops together, you have carbon. If you only have one scoop, it's called hydrogen. If you have two scoops, it's called helium. If you have three scoops, it's called uh, lithium. See, we got to break this down. We have to learn this science that our ancestors taught us. And the idea, let me... Look at science now. Let's, let's look at your, your, your skin. This skin, your fingernails, your hair, everything outside of yourself is called the integumentary system. Just like you have a circulatory system, a reproductive system, a respiratory system. You have an integumentary system, which is everything outside. Your skin, your fingernails, you know, your hair. Okay. Now. Let me go to your skin, the largest organ on your body. Your skin is divided into your epidermis, which is on top, and your dermis, which is on the bottom. Your epidermis has five levels called stratum. Stratums are layers. The top layer, the topmost layer of your skin is called the stratum corneum. The next layer is called the stratum luciderm. The third is called the stratum uh, granulosum. The fourth one is called your stratum spinosum. And your bottom uh, level of your epidermis is called the stratum basale. Okay. Now, in your two lower levels, the stratum spinosum, and the stratum basale, you have a biochemical that is called 7 dehydro 
cholesterol. Let me spell that for you because I want you all to do research on this because I don't want you to believe me. I want Look, I got my pen and paper right here. Okay. So spell it that. The number seven, seven. Dash, dash, capital D, E, H Y D R O, C H O L E S T R O L. Okay. Seven dehydrocholesterol. It's a biochemical located in the bottom two layers of your epidermis. Now, people tell you that vitamin D is good for you. What they don't tell you is that there's four types of vitamin D. Yes, because one of them is rat poison. When you go to the health food store and you ask for vitamin D, what you'll notice is that on the bottle, it'll always say D3. It'll always say D3. You don't buy no others, but there's four kinds. D1 and D2 is a, is, is a vitamin that lays dormant in your skin. It's inactive. But when light, heat, and sound energy from the sun comes down, you see, here's where the sun is talking to you, Chacha. This is what I mean when I say that. When, when light, heat, and sound energy, and don't exclude sound energy, because phonons are very important to our development. Because that's yes. what creates the vibration that we're on. Yeah, the frequency. Yes. Yeah, the frequency. That's the sound. Yes. The light. Trust me, I understand heat. that. And all those different things is quantum physics. You know, so I'm, I'm you know, starting to study that now. You know, I'm diving deep it. into quantum physics right now. Yeah. And let me tell you something else to get into, my sister, on the side. Get into something called plasma physics. Plasma physics, okay. Get into plasma physics. See, because this is what our ancestors were about. Yeah. You know, you you know they you know like when I hear them, like I used to have a lot of discussions with folk of different cultures when they would say that black children are illiterate. I say, look, black folk invented this, and then they taught it to you. How are we illiterate? We created the first alphabets. We were mathematicians before Europeans and Asians existed on the planet. Yes. Are you telling us that we're illiterate? Yes. No. One of no. the things that I, I, will, I will prove that notion, because, you know, a lot of people are trading right now, and um, they're using the Fibonacci strategy to, to um, read their charts and, and um, try to predict... Um, um, whether these charts are going, whether it's going to be bullish or bearish behavior, right? And so a lot of people are using the Fibonacci strategy. Now, I try to do that day trading, but I didn't. that takes a lot of your time. Like, I'm not going to even hold you. So I like to long-term it, you know what I'm saying? That's my thing. That, that, that's what fits with my lifestyle, you know? And um, But it made me curious, like, who the hell is Fibonacci and shit, you know? And... In the Western world, he's revered as this great math mathematician. You know, he wrote a book about math, and everybody's looking to those theories and those methods in order um, to complete, you know, science theories and stuff like that, right? But I was like, but me, my curious self, I like to go into the person. 
who is the person before the math? Like who taught him? You know, was it self-taught? But but where did he gain inspiration from? And come to find out, his father was a Roman um, customs dealer, I think in Europe or in Ethiopia, somewhere in Eastern Africa. And he would, when he would go visit his father, he would learn from, from those tribes to the point where the Arabs or the indigenous people that were there, because I feel like Arabs are black as well, you know, um, and I'm pretty sure this is way before the colonization of France and, and all those other European countries. But that's what introduced him to the decimal point. And so he gained that knowledge from Eastern Africa and brought it to the Western Hemisphere, wrote a book, and then we revered him like if he's some prodigy. And, 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 so, and so when I hear you say things like we develop these things, yes, even if you want to talk out with, within biblical terms, because I know me and you, we're more into spirituality, but I'm pretty sure there's people out there who are into religion more so than what we are. You know, the three wise men, look at the characteristics who they were. They found Jesus based on stars, astrology, I mean, astronomy, things like that. So these people already had that knowledge, wisdom, and understanding enough for them to even under, overstand where to even look for the, this so-called king. And, you know, I'll land right there uh, with you because I, I still want you to, to uh, uh, speak, you know, because this is the floor is yours. But I, I had to 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 because I want to converse with you. You know, I've been um, dreaming about this for a very long time. And, and, and I'm so honored to sit here and even have this conversation with you. But, you know, uh, us as a people, we got to get out, out of that notion like we haven't been here before. Um, I've seen that you shared a video where you described how long we've been here as opposed to what they've been here. We've been here millions of years. So can you go into that? Because um, I like the way you explain that. You know, my sister, as it comes to what we're doing here, I, I, I always tell folk that invite me onto their platforms that this is not my time. This is our time. Okay. Okay. And I am as interested in what you have to say as well as all those on the platform. I'm, I'm, I'm very interactive, and maybe that's because of my background with children. I believe in interaction in the learning center. And that is not just about somebody coming and pontificating all this information and lecturing people and all the rest of that. It's, it's about the interaction between human beings to take this information to a higher level. Yes. And that's why I always tell people, and I think I told you, I didn't want to know your questions. I always tell people, I don't want your questions because I want the audience to feel like it's organic. Like, like I'm as surprised yes. saying this as they're hearing it. If I yes. have the questions, I can carve the way I want to say something. But I don't want to do that. I want to be as as spontaneous. Free-flowing as possible, like according to the vibe. And, you know, I don't usually write my questions. I just do the studying, and then I ask you as the vibe is. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, but I had that before where people ask me, well, you know, I can't do the interview without knowing the questions. But then that just raises my curiosity even more. Like, what are you hiding? Now I want to know. Now I want to do a super deep dive. Like, is there some kind of controversy that you don't want me to out you because you know my intentions are always pure like i want to bring out the best in you you know i pride myself calling myself the barbara walters barbara walters of hip-hop and and uh, you know i don't just speak to hip-hop artists 
but I want to be the platform when everybody else is dragging your name in the mud and got all these different rumors or whatever the case may be. Um, I want you to feel safe enough to come on my platform to tell your story. Mm-hmm. Or I want you to feel safe enough on my platform to share your knowledge because I'm right there with you. I'm curious. I'm, 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 my, my intellect and, and my urgency for it is just like the children that we were talking about. I'm a sponge. Like, I don't know nothing. You know, and I go into every situation with that attitude. I don't know a damn thing. I, I, want, I want you to, but if I do know something, and I know you off a little bit, we might have a debate or two. But especially in a situation like this, I have nothing to say. You know, well, I, I'm going to rock with you, but I'm, I'm really learning more than I'm communicating. So, yeah. Well, I, well, you, you know, I tell people. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Um, Say that again. Um, just wanted to let you know the chat is going crazy about the vitamin D thing. So you guys can elaborate after this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Clubhouse, they want you to elaborate more because I think I kind of cut you off probably. So can you uh, go, and I'm, my apologies for that, but can you go back into like, uh, what, what what are they asking actually? Uh, I was waiting for the they last piece. They oh, they the four different types. Yeah, well. Okay, so yeah, they want you to explain the the other the types of because I think you just got into two of them and which one is the rat poison because there is speculation that vitamin D three is um rat poison. They found find uh, that same kind of chemical in rat poison. Can, um, do you agree with that or not? Because that's that's me saying that. For those that's in Clubhouse, that was me saying that. That's not coming from Professor Kaba. So, do you agree with that? And what are the other aspects of vitamin three? I mean, vitamin D. Well, let let me go back to what what I ended with. When okay. the light, heat, and sound energy comes down and hits your skin, the the melanin attracts and captures the light, heat, and sound energy and brings it into the skin. It goes past the first three layers, corneum, luciderm, granulosum. And when it hits the spinosum and the basale, where the 7-dehydrocholesterol is, the 7-dehydrocholesterol, in conjunction with the light and heat and sound energy, converts inactive vitamin D1, D2 into vitamin D3, and then D4. But the D3 is what you're looking at because that's the vitamin that they're talking about that is good for your bones and for the assimilation of carbon in the body. Okay. And so when this vitamin D is converted um, and it then sends the syst- through your system all of the energy that is needed, it is then that the human body functions in the sense that they say that vitamin D3 is good for you and the role that uh, sunlight plays on the human body. But also, for those that live in a seasonal place here in New York, right now, none of us are the pigmentation, the complexion that we were last August. We have all depigmented ourselves. No matter how melanated we may be, we're not as melanated as when we're in the sun. And the reason why that happens is for us to be able to survive in the cold weather. And even when you look at people's 
uh, hair, right? Even people of European descent who have straight hair. In the summertime, their hair get kinky. But they don't call it kinky. They call it frizzy. Or beach waves. Is kinky hair. It's nappy hair. And in order for them to get the kinks out, they straighten their hair too. They use what's called frizz ease. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, what's, um, so, so what's vitamin D for? D4 is an accelerated aspect of vitamin D3, but it's vitamin D3 that brings you what you need. Okay, D4 so why do you feel like a lot of people call it rat poison? Because, you know, I heard that notion that they call it rat poison um, is an ingredient that's uh, the active ingredient in rat poison. Why do you feel like people are um, claiming that to be so? Because um, their argument is that we should be obtaining more natural sunlight uh, going out, even in the wintertime, like when at noon when the sun is still high, to get that natural sun as opposed to getting um, synthetic vitamin three, uh, vitamin D3 pills from your local drugstore. Uh, that, that's the argument. So why do you feel like that's coming into account? I think that when the medical profession, the biological profession, pharmaceuticals, when they, they always knew the truth. The difference is now we're beginning to learn the truth. And I think the reason why they would uh, tell you that vitamin D3 is like rat poison is because all of us have a problem with rats, to tell you the truth, and then we don't want something that's rat. I think it's the same reason why they'll tell you that 666 is the sign of the devil, where really 666 is the atomic number for carbon. Yeah. This is why they tell you that black cats are bad luck. It's, it's, it's why they tell you a number of different things as it relates to what it is that we're doing. Family, I have to step away for a minute because I'm seeing that my, uh, that, that my energy level is going down. I got to get my thing to charge my phone. I'll be right back. Oh, okay. Okay, so, no, I, I see you. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in on the live um, he will be right back with his charger. Shout out to the 221 people on the IG live. Thank you so much for tuning in with us for Live at Radio. Um, if you haven't already, please um, um, like my page. Give me a follow. I definitely follow back. Hit that link on my profile. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel so you can get all the notifications as we post these interviews. Shout out to Team Pack Up for allowing me to grace their dope-ass stage um, this evening with Professor Kaba Kamene. With all these jewels, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Shout out to everybody who asks questions and those that are in the comment section. Please hit that green arrow on top so you can become a member of this clubhouse group and we could continue to have dope conversations like this. Shout out to all the moderators, especially D Red and Mikey B for your hospitality and making me feel like family on your stage. I really appreciate you guys. You ready, Professor? Yes, bro. Uh, yes, my sister. I had to go out and get my uh, charger, so I'm so I'm good now. Oh, you good now? Yeah, I'm, and I'm not gonna yeah. even try to keep you uh, too too no, long. You know, no, it's okay. I just want to make sure I oh, stay okay. sharp, my sister, because this organic right here. And while while we're together, let's get the best of what we're doing here, so that we can get the information yes. to the people. 
to, you know, to help yeah. them understand. But just to continue with the thought, my sister, um, they don't want us to know certain things that are basic and fundamental. And whenever you get a hold of something, they'll always try to get you to think that it's something else. We as a people now are getting into information that maybe had not been exposed before. And we're learning, and we're learning how to handle this in a very powerful way. And the fact that we could be doing this type of conversation, you see, my sister, when they brought us over here and enslaved us, they never foresaw this day coming. Never. And what, and what has happened is that in a most glorious way, a divine way, we have been able to get through all of the crap they put us through and be able to come to this position in our life where we can speak to our community and our community can speak to us. And we can begin to deal with certain things and issues that will make our community better, that will make our family stronger, that will make brothers stand up straight and right and, and powerful, knowing where they come from. Make sisters look at themselves in the mirror and, and know that they're beautiful. Because I tell children all the time that you are the creator and the creator don't make mistakes. Little young, young, young girl told me, my nose is too big. And I oh, said, but can you breathe? Can you breathe? And she said, yeah, I can breathe. And if you can breathe, your nose is just the right size. Who told you your nose was too big? Who told you that your lips was too big? Who told you that your skin color was ugly? Who told you that your hair was bad? It didn't come from Africa. Africans didn't tell themselves that. Who taught you that? And at what point do you stop believing that? At what point do you see that your melanation is just a big kiss from God? And all that melanation that you have is the remnants of a kiss. It's, 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 it's like the sun has brown lipstick on. <laughs> yes. And I got brown lipstick on. Okay. Yeah, and so tell me this, when you kiss your babies goodnight, don't they have brown uh, uh, lipstick on their face? Yeah, they do. Well, then yes, that's what do. we have from God. God God kissed us, and God kissed us in all the different shades that brown comes in also. Yes. And so we have so, got to take our rightful place and understand that we are a great people, that we have been through a lot. We have struggled through a lot. And yet with everything we've been through, still we rise. Yes. Still yes. we perfect the imperfect. And for that, we deserve. Yes. The credit for um, what I'm, we've done. Yes. I, I, before I move on, I saw in a notification that somebody has a question on Clubhouse. I want to honor that. Um, let's do at least one question, and then we can move on to 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 my um to the the, the flow of things. So um, somebody said they had a question. a question. Okay. Oh, well, I got a question in the oh, chat, guys. We got a question from the chat from Neil, man. If they were wants to go, I'm gonna post this. Actually, it was a uh, it was actually uh, my question. I wanted to ask in a way. Uh, Mealman was right on par. Uh, this day ran up with the Hood Scholars here on Clubhouse. Um, doctor, where do you see um, AI, artificial intelligence and technology helping in this mission that we're on? Or is it a help at all? Did you uh, hear that, Professor? Yes, I do. Family, please uh, let me tell you. On my Instagram page at kabakamane.com, okay? And also on my website, 
www.kabakamene.com. K-A-B-A-K-A-M-E-N-E. Can somebody post that link up top, please? So, um, thank you. Yeah, we're gonna post that link on the clubhouse so people can be able to tap into that. And go ahead, go go ahead with your um, explanation as far as artificial intelligence. Do you feel like it's a help or a hinder to our society? I I do webinars every Tuesday, and I do webinars. In fact, there's one coming out tomorrow, the third Friday of the month. I'm doing a a, um, a webinar on the origin and development of the Caucasoid or the Eura uh, the Eurasian, the European and the Asian. On the first Sunday of the month, I do a webinar on my third book titled Shabaka Stone. All my books are on. Amazon. The reason why I'm telling you this is because I did a four-part series on my quibinars. If you go to my quibinars, you'll see I did a four-part series on artificial intelligence. And I did a four-part series on artificial intelligence because I wanted to ensure and make sure that we also understood that even though artificial intelligence is part of our future, there is nothing more powerful the natural intelligence. And no matter how great artificial intelligence is, it is still based upon the wisdom and knowledge of natural intelligence. In other words, artificial intelligence will never outdo artificial intelligence will never outdo natural intelligence. Artificial intelligence is good. Family, you know, I come from what I call the typewriter generation. Okay, so when I'm telling you cut and paste, I'm talking scissors and glue. <laughs> okay, but now on my computer, we got this thing cut and paste. Okay, that you can take things and move them around. When, when I was typing my curricula, I could never do that. Cut and paste, when I had to cut this out and paste it here and all that. But now you can do that on a machine. So I come from a generation that did not have the technology that y'all have today. The idea of doing an interview on my phone or on my computer, that was unheard of. Yeah. And so artificial intelligence, I, you know, it's a good thing because I wouldn't be able to do this without it. Yeah. This is artificial intelligence. This is intelligence. And, and, like with, and like with everything, it has a good and a bad side. And, and you're right, you know, it's just my concerns about artificial intelligence is the intentions of the, the people who have the most access to it. You know what I'm saying? The regulators of it, so to speak. That's my concern. But what I understand is that at the end of the day, artificial intelligence still needs programmers. It still needs coders. And you have to be human in order to do those things. So I would advise everybody to um, start, you know, upgrading their educational level. Can, can you mute that? I would advise um, people to, to upgrade their educational level and take a coding class and even take a mechanics class because, you know, they say we don't carry the skills that we used to. Um, and I feel like a lot of the skills uh, in the future, a lot of that, sh a lot of it is um, being a mechanic because these robots and things is going to break down. 
um, they're going to malfunction. So you need coders and mechanics in order to fix these things. And, you know, the mechanics that do exist today, you need to upgrade your level of education as far as being a mechanic as well, because, you know, back in the day, mechanics are going to be way different than this, the, the new age mechanics. And I feel like you need to learn both. Mechanics need to learn coding as well to maximize your earning potential. And I, I'm going to just um, land it right there. Um, is there anything you else you want to talk about as far as AI is concerned before we move on, Professor? The future power, the future wealth of our planet is solar power. Yes. Understand that. All this that's going on, look at Ukraine and Russia. Look at what's going on there. The negotiating factor that Russia has on Europe that's controlling Europe's movement is that 40% of the energy through gas and oil comes from Russia to Europe. One of the first two things that Russia took while they were there was two of the most powerful nuclear power plants in Europe. The people who control your energy source control your life. If Europe was on solar power, Russia would not have a negotiating factor. If Europe had solar power, you wouldn't have to argue with people as the way you're going to get your energy. Mm -hmm. And isn't it interesting that every place where the sun shines the brightest, the people are the most melanated. Yes. It's as if the creator put wealth in our backyard. I know groups in San Francisco. There's a youth group in San Francisco that's building solar panels in attache cases. And they're taking their attache cases and opening them up in the backyard and their house is getting energy. Everything that you do, you wash your clothes, you cook your food, you go on your computer, you drive your car, you turn your lights on. Everything that you do takes energy. And you're only as powerful as the source of your energy. There's a gentleman by the name of Dr. Michu Kaku. He's a, he's a scientist. And he tells us in his book that there are basically four types of civilizations. Okay, there could be more, could be less. I understand. But I just want to put it there so that it's simple. There is the uh, one type Two type, three type, four type. The one type is you get your energy from the earth. That's where we are now. We go down in the ground, we take out gas. We go down in the ground and the water, we take out oil. We use water power, we use wind power, all on the earth. But when you get to a certain point in your development, you start to use the earth as a satellite to get solar power. That's where our ancestors were when they built the pyramids. They were aware of solar power. And that's how they built the pyramids. And in a, in a type 2 civilization, when you depend on the sun for your power, that's what allows you to drive your car. That's where everybody's going now with electric yeah, cars and all this, solar power, solar panels. I'm telling us, look, if you are a janitor, get a job in a solar plant as a janitor. If you're a secretary, Get a job in a solar plant as a secretary. If you're a clerk, what I'm saying is whatever you do, in, if, you, if you deliver mail, 
work in the mailroom in a solar power plant and watch them. Study them like they studied us. How you think they got powerful? They didn't come in and conquer us. They came in and sat at our feet. And after they learned what they had to learn, then they turned on us. Infiltrated. Learn the craft. Learn solar power. Whatever you do in life. If you're looking for a job, start looking for them in solar power plants or, or solar businesses. Learn solar. Come home and teach your children solar power. How to build a panel. Study it. And begin to develop an understanding because after you use solar power, you then use the sun as a satellite to go to the third level, which is galactic energy. Which means that every human being has his or her own star. Now, if all of us billions of people, depending on the one sun, could derive this power, what kind of power do you have when, Cha-Cha, you have your own star? Kaba got his own star. Lucio has his own star. What happens when everybody has their own star? What kind of power can you derive from that? Yes. Now, there's evidence in the second sarcophagus of King Tut's tomb that they were aware of galactic power. They even put it on the wall. They carved the story of solar power that then became galactic power. And there's a way. I, I, I have different webinars that I do and it's on my, it's, it's, it's on my uh, website. Our ancestors laid this out. I'm into science, family. I'm not into emotion. I'm not trying to get on people's case. I just don't have time for that right now. I want to drop this information so that our children and those yet to be born, that I do not know their name right now, but they are my great-great-grandchildren's great-great-grandchildren. What are they going to say about me a hundred years from now? What are they going to yes. say I did? I'm not trying to twist nobody's arm. I ain't trying to get you to believe me. I just want you to think of what I'm saying. Because after the, you get galactic power, you go on to the next energy level. And that level is cosmic energy. You said cosmic you power? Cos cosmic energy. Oh, cosmic energy. Okay. Which, which means that, remember, when you use the earth to get to the sun, the sun to the galaxy. Now you're going to use your galactic stars to tap into the entire cosmos. Mm. And so solar power, and we were there at one time, but since we've been rudely interrupted <laughs> by these individuals that know not the creator, don't know nature, they have separated themselves from nature. They dare say, that they're going to fool Mother Nature. They're going to fight. Let me Mother ask Nature. you a question, and and, and this and this is a is an old to uh, day read on this because we had a debate Who? earlier this morning. You know Who? what I'm saying? And uh, day read, uh, um, he's um, on here. Um, he's one of he's um, one of the members on Clubhouse, as you can see. And early in his room, we had a, a real heated debate, you know, because you know, given the information that you're saying that we was here millions of years ago, before they even had an example of their existence on this earth, and then you know, now with what you're saying, 
uh, you know, how they learn this information from us, you know. So, Iris, do, do you feel like they are of this world or of this universe in the same way, uh, you know, that we are, our counterparts? The people that we're dealing with now, when you look at the African that went into the northern climate, this is, this is my science. This is how I view this. I see that Africans traveled around the world. And Africans traveled into an area of the world that had temperate climate. What these Africans didn't know is that an ice age was about to hit them. An ice age hit them about 50, maybe 60,000 years ago. And it made them retreat into the caves, these Africans. And remember we talked about melanin and the production of melanin? Yes. Well, in the Ice Age, where you have such little sunlight, you're going to depigment yourself. Just like we are not the same complexion that we were last August, and right now we are not the complexion that we're going to be next August. Well, after, th after thousands of years of being in a sunless heaven, the pigmentation became depigmented. The nose changed, the hair texture changed, Everything about the human being changed because of the weather and the climate. So I see them as human beings. I, I don't mean to cut you off. So do you feel like that ice age is uh, was more severe than like the Arctic uh, um, weather that um, Eskimos may come from? Because if you look at Eskimos, they are melanated themselves. They have wide noses too. They may have more finer hair, but they also are viewed as having melanin, um, yes. do you feel like that situation in history was way different and more drastic as far as weather and conditions are concerned that could uh, be able to have that drastic drastic outcome? Wait, wait, I don't, um, hold on more guys because I don't, I don't, I don't want all right, y'all good? Yeah, no, we good. Okay, so you you heard my you heard my question? It's clubhouse. Yeah. Sorry about that, professor. No, look, we all have to have these conversations. Okay, remember, I come from the school system, South Central Bronx, and what's so very important is that I realize that we are all, by matter of degree, exposed to this type of information. And we all have to work this out, and we can disagree without being disagreeable, and we can have unity without being unified. And I respect everybody's point of view. You have every right to have your point of view. And we, we have got to, we as a people, have got to open up everything possible for all of our people to be able to express themselves by the matter of degree that they have been exposed to this information. And again, I ain't asking anybody to agree with me. Just think. Just think and do the research. And that's why I give you my websites. I give you information. You can go. I got a study guide, a free study guide up on my uh, website. 44 pages that will give you all the books and all the information. And it's all good, family. And we've got to get to that point now where we talk to each other and we respect each other. And we understand by matter of degree, we all go through things. But I love my community. 
And it don't. And, and, so, and so do I. Yeah, and so do I. That's why I feel like, you know, a lot of these discussions are very important for us to have, you know. And, you know, I open up the floor to anybody on Clubhouse who may have a question, a respectful question. And even if it's not respectful, it's all right. Get it out. <laughs> Nah, we ain't we ain't doing that foolery. Not on not on not on my platform. We're not doing. But that. it tells I'll, you a I'll lot leave, about I'll what's going on right now. Not on my. Yeah, I Okay. Um. So my question was uh, more on the quantum physics side. So the University of Chicago are doing studies where they're basically. Um, creating different um, quantum walls to be able to store and control quantum memory. Um, I wanted to get your uh, opinion on that, Professor Kaba, and, and it's an honor. Thank you. Hotep, my sister, thank you for the question. From my study, from what I understand, a lot of what they're doing as it relates to being able to control anything, go back to the melanin molecule. The melanin molecule is the type of molecule that nobody knows what it is. This is why you have synthetic melatonin and synthetic melanin and all this other nonsense that they're trying to put into computers, chips, and all the rest of that. They'll never get the real thing. Like I said, artificial is never the real thing. And the moment that melanin is figured out, it can change its configuration so that it can't be figured out. The human mind is such that when you think you figured it out, it's going to change on you. See, the, the problem with the Indo-European or the Western civilization's mind is that they believe themselves to be greater than nature and they believe that they can control nature. No, you can't. You never have and you never will. You, you can do things to it that will hurt it, like you can pollute the water, you can pollute the air, you can pollute the earth. But you're only going to do that for so long before nature vomits back on you the poison you put in it. Because family, the earth was around a lot longer than the human being on earth. And the earth is just about saying right now, I've had just about enough of you. I brought mm -hmm. you in and I'll take you out. The earth was doing fine before the human being came here. The human being had a masterful gift. And the masterful guilt, a gift that the human being has is knowledge, reasoning, and language. Those are the three things that separate us. Lang uh, uh, um, knowledge, the ability to acquire information, then to reason that information, and then to place it in a, communicate, uh, uh, in a communication that you can relay your thoughts that you reasoned. That's a gift, a very special gift. But it's the only gift it's have. The animal world has instinct. But when the human being attains higher consciousness, they get what's called intuition. And intuition is a natural genius that's called cosmic consciousness. And when you get to that level where you're one with nature, as our ancestors were, and you can build the civilizations around that nature, then you can take that civilization to a higher level. And that is what nature has afforded us 
and that since the West and and look what's going on in Ukraine and Russia that's been going on for five thousand years. They've been fighting amongst themselves for over five thousand. They were fighting amongst themselves before they even came in contact with black folk. They Mr. only know you. Please go back to the birth of Caucasian male or distorted before. Say that again. They're talking about um. They wanted you to finish the. The birth of the called the the Caucasian man. Because we was talking about the um ice age and and yeah. I was trying to see if there was any difference because um I I think that's when the um the root we was really interrupted. You know, and I think that threw it off a little bit, and the explanation wasn't clear. But um, they would like for you to to finish uh, what you were saying on that. The laws that guide. Use your mic, master. Use your mic. Brother, move your mic. Okay, so um, yeah, so the 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 birth of the the, the Caucasian man and how he uh, entered into our society. Well, the, the, are you saying about the melanin um, leaving because of the conditions of yes. the ice age? Yes, and the evidence. Oh, and then you say they they saying that you mentioned caves. So, which which caves were you talking about? That's their question. Well, one, well, the the area that we're talking about basically is the Caucasus Mountains, what we today would call Georgia, up around Russia. Uh, it would extend up into Ukraine. It would go to Slovakia, Slovenia, uh, what what we might call um, Western Asia, those countries, and being fifty-first uh, parallel north, which cuts Ireland in half, it cuts England in half. It goes across Europe through Asia around America. It's like the cap on top of the Earth. The fifty-first parallel north. I'm you, and it's it's it, it's. This work was done by Dr. Shekanta Diab, and he talks about the upper and the lower cradle. When Africans got into this, you look at the mountain areas, the Caucasus Mountains, the Himalaya Mountains, the Pyrenees in France and Spain. That it cuts it cuts off the ability for that African human to return back over into the southern lands until about two thousand BC. And when they come down out the mountains in 2000 BC, they're savages. They have no culture. And what they do is they come as a warrior class. And they wreak havoc on the southern world. And they literally pummel, just like you see what's happening in Ukraine. That's what they did in India. That's what they did in Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India. You can come all the way across the earth and you can see the... the the devastation that these individuals that had depigmented themselves and their pineal gland was depigmented also. It was calcified. And just like you, you take a grape and put it in the sun, becomes sun-dried, becomes a grape. When you take that pineal gland and you put it in the ice, it becomes freeze-dried. And they came back with this enormously violent mentality and they have been at war ever since. That's all we've seen. When I taught social studies and I taught European history, it ain't nothing about the, 
the, the Spanish against the French, the French against the British, the British against the Dutch, the Dutch against, I mean, it's one thing after another, ain't nothing but wars. When they don't have a hot war, they have a cold war. And now we're yeah. back, you know, now, we're, now we had the war with Afghanistan, we've had the war with Iraq, uh, we've had the war in Syria. You know, after World War II, we had the Korean conflict. We've been at war ever since they came out the mountains. And I'm not saying that African folk don't have their challenges. We, we've had our challenges. In fact, there are a lot of things that mirror what's happening between Russia and Ukraine happening in Africa today. Yes. And, and so, I'm glad yeah. that's, a per that's a perfect... I'm going to let you finish, but that's a perfect segue. So go ahead, uh, Lynn. I'm sorry. Okay, no, you that's all that I want to say. I don't want to okay. paint no rosy picture like everything is beautiful in Africa and everything is bad in Europe. It's not. And, and we're making a mistake if we do that because I believe in learning from your mistakes. Yeah, and, and shout and out I to, to uh, Dave Red to, for, for saying that earlier because that was one of the uh, his points uh, he brought up when we was having our debate earlier. And and I agree too, you know. All right. So with that being said, and and since we are in Clubhouse, in the in, in the in the spirit of Clubhouse, since we have that um, here, um, one of the things that you do see a lot, right? And I never experienced this before until I came to Clubhouse. But obviously, it's the thing. Not only is it a thing on Clubhouse, but you see the Twitter wars and one of um, your comrades, Tariq Nasheed. Um, be in these heated discussions, you know. So, how do you feel about the ADOS culture versus the the African culture, especially you being a Pan Africanist, you know? Yeah. And I love your stance because you want all of us to when you understand where we all come from at the same time. But since you were also a social studies uh, professor. Um, you understand the history behind uh, the unique history behind the African American. Now, um, today, we are having these uh, culture wars, these internet wars amongst Black people. Um, it's basically the ADOS versus the basically the diaspora is the, is the diaspora war, so to speak. So, how do you feel about that? You know, because um, one side of the argument is, well, you know. You're the reason why we were in this predicament and now trying to take our identities and things like that when we sit here and build ourselves up from nothing. And then the other thing is, well, we also colonized over here too and we're just trying to find a way. Then the other side is saying, oh, well, we, not, we don't look for refuge nowhere. We stick to it and try to make do with what we have and make it better. And the other thing, people say, well, we go over there and work hard too. So what do you feel about that, you know, um, and, and what's going on amongst black people across the whole diaspora? I was brought up in an African-American family. Like I said, my daddy from Alabama, my mother was from Boston, Massachusetts. My name was Booker T. I grew up with an African-American consciousness. Now, some people call it foundational black American. Okay, yes. that's the title. Okay. Um, African-American, whatever we want to call ourselves. I am very proud to be a foundational black American. I am an African-American. 
I look out for my people. And if you're from Jamaica, you should look out for your people. If you're from Puerto Rico, you should look out for your people. But not at the expense of the destruction of any other African people. You should look out for your people. Because if I can get myself and my people together, and if people from Puerto Rico can get themselves together, knowing their history, knowing their culture, being proud, or orgulloso, to be proud of their culture. If Jamaicans can be proud of their culture, that makes them a better person in my life as an African-American. And I, you know, just for me, I'm just, uh, I can be a foundational black American and be proud of my history and culture and still be a Pan-African. Yes. I don't have to negate one to embrace the other. This is my perspective. Yes. yes. But please don't And I feel like a lot story. of these Pan-Africanists that be on Clubhouse, I think they agents. You know, because it be mostly they rooms that be um, hosting these debates and, and it's just further perpetuating the, the, the division amongst black people across the world. You know what I'm saying? I be looking at them as agents. I'm sorry because I don't, I don't see um, no other people hosting these rooms more than these so-called Pan-Africanists. And I don't even think they're real Pan-Africanists. I mean, it's impossible to be able to sit here and have that theory of where we all are one and we all together. And then at the same time, instigating these kind of debates and instigating this kind of uh, hatred to further perpetuate that, that long war. Of, and now we're all looking at each other funny. And honestly, I never, ex I, I started on Clubhouse in October of last year. So I'm only, what, three months in, three, four months in. And I never experienced this in my real life until I went to Clubhouse. So I don't know if it's just a social media thing or whatever. It's just weird, you know. You know, how do you feel about it? Do you do you feel like like this is like a, a Cointel Pro kind of thing happening to to um to 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 keep the black people divided amongst each other so we can't see our true power because that's what it feels like to me like it's some kind of Cointel Pro project. Well, it could be. See, I would need evidence, but I ask us as a people. What is it in us that makes it so easy that we would turn against each other? See, it's up to us. It's not up to them. There will always be forces that will try to divide us because they know what happens when we come together in strength. So the objective is to keep us separated, to keep us fighting each other. And the key is, as a people, COINTELPRO and all that don't work if you are proud of yourself you love yourself, and you love your people. Because when you can do that, it doesn't make a difference what they say. I don't believe them. It doesn't make a difference what they say. And so what we have to start to do is critically think as a people and to look at ourselves. For instance, there are stories where African Americans, indigenous to the United States, will say that Africans from other parts of the world, be it Central South America, the Caribbean, or even Africa, will come here and disrespect the African American. And that's true. 
And they've done it to me. But I don't care. Because I know me. And I know that the more disrespectful you are to me, the more you have a lack of respect for yourself. And when you come to a place, whenever I've traveled anywhere in the world or even around the United States, one of the first things that I do is ask to meet the elders. Jamaica, St. Thomas. And when I present myself to the elders, I thank them for all they did to make the African people in their country the great people that they are. And I recognize them for what they did. When people come from outside the United States to come to the United States, it is important that you pay respect to the African-American because it is the struggle of the African-American in the United States, specifically the 13 colonies, that made it possible for you to be able to come to this country to benefit. And so what I am saying is that I can see both sides, but the reality of it is, is that if you know yourself People that come out, like I've been asked by Africans and they try to embarrass me at one time. They were from Ghana and they asked me, uh, you know, you African-Americans have so many problems here. Why are you so busy trying to get back to Africa? Why are you so busy looking at Africa? You see me? I left Africa. Africa is this or Africa is that. And I just look at them because I think that they've said it all in that one statement. I've seen people come from a lot of different places. But guess what? I've seen African-Americans do that to me too. African-Americans have disrespected me as it relates or tried to as it relates to my, my encouragement for us to return back to the source of who we are as a people in Africa to understand who we are as African people. And so I've seen it on all different levels. But my thing is, is if your heart is right, because I've also met people from Ghana and, and Sierra Leone, I've met people from Puerto Rico. Let me just tell you this story. When I was a young boy and I was studying African-American history, I was well aware of my history. Paul Robeson, Adam Clayton Powell, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, I was well aware of them. But I had a friend from Puerto Rico and my friend's family practiced Santeria. And I used to go and celebrate when they would have their festivities. I would go, man, that drum was playing, the chicken. I have a Latin background, so I know what you mean. I have a Latin background, yeah. I can tell by your accent. And cha-cha, okay, I know. Yeah, that was my name before was Chastity. My real name is Chastity, yeah. Okay, okay. So, you know, my thing was is, you know, when I used to get into ritual, the point I'm making is, I was born in African-American culture, but my introduction to Africa was not historical. It was spiritual. When I saw Las Sietas Potencias, and when I saw the Orishas, I grew up Roman Catholic. I ain't seen nothing look like that in the church where I just came from. And when I saw St. Martin de Porres and other African saints, it instilled in me an African consciousness that when I met Dr. Clark when I was 12 and a half, I was ready for the historical because I had been born into the spiritual. So my view of Africa, my first view of Africa is not through history. It's through spirituality. And with that gift given to me by my brothers and sisters from Puerto Rico, 
I could never look at them in any other way but with respect and regard. And whether or not they want to embrace Africa, whether or not they embrace the Africanity, that's on them. But I know... But it's evident. It's in them. It's evident. It's in them. And, and they're fighting it. Like so many other people all around the world. They've given you a negative impression of Africa. The children, who wants to identify with poverty? Who, who wants to identify? If you don't know your true history, who wants to identify when they're showing distended bellies with big bellies? They're hungry. They're crying. Flies are all around their face. That's how they show Africa. But they don't show you the Africans on the, on, on the throne. They don't show yeah. you the Africans that used to tether their horse by nuggets of gold. They don't show you the Africans shoes. They don't show you that. They show you all the negative. I tell the positive. Yes. And I connect back with my, with my African brothers and sisters. Wherever you are in the world, you are my family. African-American, very special to me. Because I am African-American. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being proud of who you are. In fact, there's something wrong if you're not. So that my thing is, I am totally, if you want to call it foundational black American, you want to call it African American, whatever you want to call it. You can call it that. But through my blood runs Pan-Africanism. And my motto is Pan-African or perish. Ain't no one group getting out of this alone. We all yes. got to get together. And the, the ties that bind us, the thread that keeps this sweater together is Africa. And don't ever forget that. Thank you so much. Uh, um, I don't really even know what to say after that. And I think we touched so much. I just want to extend the floor to Team Pack Up. Um, I want to say thank you guys again for allowing me to um, host this discussion on your stage. Um, before I um, um, before I um, end this conversation, I want y'all to um, provide y'all the same grace to ask any questions. Um, a uh, few questions before we wrap this thing up, if if you guys want to, and please keep it respectful. So I was at the bank today. Thank you, thank you for uh, for your knowledge. Thank you for your energy, because as we all should know, if you don't know, now you know. If people set you the fuck free, but first is gonna piss you the fuck off initially. You got to do your shadow work and your light work and meditation. So I just wanted just to say thank you because I was sitting with my banker today and um, I had opened up my business account and he's Armenian. And this is how I know that what we can do collectively, we have to reflect internally within our damn self because apparently how we feel about our damn self is exactly what the universe is sitting to us amplify without discrimination. It doesn't, it can't tell if it's true or not. You might as well play that best Denzel Washington, Anita Baker, I mean, not Anita Baker, Angela Bassett role of your life. Now, the conversation is this. He told me his lineage of his indigenousness of being an Armenian. And he said that he knows where, what planetary uh, we have a conversation, my, me and my banker. He said, um, 
my ancestors, my indigenous ancestors are from um, uh, a far distant, uh, well, it's actually within our galaxy. We having these galactic conversations at the bank. And um, the fact that disclosure has reached upon us, the bill has been lifted, the fat lady is still singing. <laughs> She's still singing. Because <laughs> girl, I said, girl, you want to harmonize with you? Oh, oh, oh. Thank you so much. That was <laughs> very entertaining. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Hey, anybody else that would like to ask a question before we wrap this thing up? It's my pleasure. Like, you know, I only been in y'all room for a few days and y'all show me mad love and, and we be building in there and having these type of discussions. So I felt like it was only right to bring Professor Kaba in here because we talking about these things anyway. So let's let's um get it from an adult mind such as Professor Kaba. I thought I felt like it was only right, yeah. And and I appreciate um Professor Kaba for um, you know, sharing that that, that knowledge uh, to us even Especially people that don't know, like, you kind of like, word, like, you open up a lot of people's minds. I appreciate it. You know, everything happened for a reason. So, you know, it ha you know, basically it's telling you to, uh, well, it happened for a reason and, and just letting us know that there's people out there that wanted to, uh, deliver the message in a proper way. So, uh, um, I thank you for that, word. Just I had going, to cite up on down to his. I'm going to throw you I appreciate it. You too, yeah. doctor. Oh, my bad, Mikey. And shout out to my team. Shout out to my team. You know what I'm saying? Team Packer. Shout out to her scholar. Shout out to everybody on the stage, everybody on the group. I appreciate everybody pulling up, supporting us. If it wasn't y'all, it won't be us, man. Like, I appreciate y'all for the pullers. Word. Much love. Much love. Much love. I posted uh, your site at the top. It's been up there for a minute, y'all. If y'all haven't caught that site, catch the doctor's site. Kaba uh, Kamini gumroad.com for the cell phone or to just be .com if you're on the uh, desktop. Um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put the Instagram up for Dr. Chai, uh, the MVP today, Dr. Chai. You always come through with live radio off Instagram. I love you for that. Um, She's doing a lot, putting a lot together. I like to, um, I'm going to put her Instagram up. Make sure y'all go over to Instagram and give her a follow. If you haven't already, make your way over to the doctor's Instagram and give him a follow. If you go on Chai, hit her live. Uh, his name will be up there. You can tap his name and follow both of them. They they bringing us mad, 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 mad juice tonight. And the tea is hot, y'all. Sip it. Let's go. Good stuff, Dr. John.
Yeah, so, I mean, we're going to wrap it up right now because we've been talking for a minute. And besides, I don't want this, I don't want to feel like this is our last conversation. You know, I want to walk away from this conversation like we're going to do it again. And I, I, I hope I'm a part of your family because you're definitely a right, part of right. mine you, right now. And and I just want to leave the floor open for you to promote um, your webinars or anything else that you may have going on. Um and if those that who never may have read your book before, what books you feel like they should read first and where they can find all those things and, and follow you on social media. Thank you for the opportunity, my sister Chacha. Um, first, Mike, uh, there is a difference between how you teach and what you teach. How you teach is called methodology. What you teach is called content information. I have learned over experience that it is possible that the methods you use could be worse than the information that you're teaching. There's a Moorish proverb that says, once you've learned what you set out to learn, what you learn you can put to the side because it's how you learned it that was the greatest education. Methodology is very important. How do you teach? How do you learn? It's not just what you learn. It's how did you learn it? It connects the neurons, the nerve cells in your brain. So I purposely separated the way in which I come to the community. My webinars, quick webinars, basically about a half hour, are based on teaching methodologies. Every Tuesday, I put it up on my site, either my Gumroad, my Gumroad site, which is my website, or if you can go to my link in my bio. Every first Sunday of the month, I do a webinar on my third book titled Shabaka Stone, which is an, is an African theory on the cosmology. How did the universe come into existence? How did the cosmos come into existence? I do a uh, webinar every first Sunday of the month. Webinar. First Sunday of the month, third Friday of the month. Quibinars every Tuesday. My Instagram page is my meeting at the African Square. It's like my community bulletin board. It's where I put my information up. Whatever I'm doing, it goes up there. Be it a webinar, you can register in my link in, in my bio. If it's the Quibinar, you can register there. And so Instagram Webinars and webinars is my way of developing the structure of how I approach the community with respect to share information. Yes. I've written three books on Amazon. I wrote a book on the, the brother that was the first to develop an African studies program, Howard University, 1922, Professor William Leo Hansberry, uncle to Lorraine Hansberry, who wrote Raisin in the Sun. My second book is Spirituality Before Religions because I wanted our community to get a sense of what existed before religions. How did religions come into existence? What was the philosophy that our ancestors had that would give birth to organized spirituality, which is the religions that we see? I did not offend any religion, didn't insult anybody. My purpose was just to give information because my bottom line is by the time you finish my book, Spirituality Before Religions, Spirituality is unseen science. Science is seen spirituality. By the time you finish the book, I don't care where you are in your religion from A to Z. 
agnostic to Zoroastri, Christian, Muslim, Hebrew, Jewish, Buddhist, Zen Buddhist, Confucius, I don't care. You'll find your scripture on the walls or the papyrus of Africa. All religions came out of Africa. And then my third and final book is Shabakistan. All three books are related. They all have very important relationship between them or among them. I call it the Trinity. And so they're all on Amazon. But may I ask you to do this? Just before you order the book, please read the reviews on Amazon. Please okay. read the impact that my books have had on people. I'm, go I'm going to let them speak for me. I'm not going to try to promote. I'm going to let them speak for me and what the work that we did did for them as it relates to just laying out information methodically through the method of instruction so that we can understand how great we are as a people. Yes. Family, we Thank all you. are great people. And please, may I tell you this? I know it looked rough out there. And I know maybe this illness that's been amongst us for the past two years has taken loved ones from us. I know that for some of us, we've been on the edge anyway. Message by, <laughs> you know, when you listen to the song, The Message, you know, yeah. Grandmaster Flash, you know. Yes. I'm Don't on the edge. push me because yeah. I'm close to the edge. Yes. There we go. And, and, and that's a surprise. I ain't going to say that, but he about to do live at radio because this is the uh, 40th anniversary. So he, he's doing a lot of different things this year, and one of that is going to be on live at radio. So that's coming up soon, yeah. Okay. So I know that we're all, by matter of degree, maybe hurting from this experience. But I just want to tell you, family, with the greatest love and respect I have for you, our people have been through much worse, and they made it. Yes. And all I can and, and say before, is, and, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, no, I was just going to add by saying, if they could do what they did in their time, we can do what's necessary for our time. Because my yes. plan is not just for my children and my grandchildren. My plan is for the children that I may never know. What will they say about me? Yes. And I ask you, what do you want future generations to say about you? Yes. And now, from now, that question, act on it and do something. I done. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to try to uh, keep interrupting you, but on our walkout, since it is St. Patrick's Day, can we mm -hmm. give little short uh, homage to the original leprechaun, so to speak? If that's not being too disrespectful to the true. Um, black Irish or the pygmy people, and and then we could we could end the uh, the interview. And I'm only doing that because I mean I meant to do that before I slipped my mind. But as you was talking, it, it came. I was like, oh, swear, St. Patrick's Day. I forgot to ask them about the St. Patrick's. So we don't have to do a deep dive to it. I just want to pay uh, a quick homage uh, to them because right now when we think of St. Patrick's Day, is a lot of Caucasians getting drunk off of Jameson right now, wearing green, and I kind of want to. Um, give honor to, to those who lost their lives because they were being infiltrated upon and 
and you know we can make it real quick and simple or however you feel comfortable but yeah on our way out i think it was uh i think it's very necessary for us, for us to do that today especially mm -hmm. today well we find no uh, physical evidence of there ever being a patrick and basically what you're looking at is that you had africans that went into this part of the world now here's the book to get it's a book that's titled old britons by David McRitchie, M-A-C-R-I-T-C-H-I-E, David McRitchie, Old Britain, New Britain. So this is my research on him. Also, there's a sister doing dynamic research in London. Her name is Dr. Marie Charles. She has a magazine that's, that's M-F-I-T magazine. She's just done her, her latest... Um, um, piece her her latest magazine was on the black irish okay and so just to round this out saint patrick never existed what saint patrick represents is the fact that amongst the african community the woman has always had a very important role in the society by all means from my research she there, there were little things between men and women but they were always equal with each other the black woman has always been equal in the society. There may have been a little trouble here or there, but it was never because they were unequal to the man. And so when black women and men, the Twa and Booty people that you're talking about from Central and South Africa, traveled across the globe and went into this part of the world, they are who we call the Celtic Druids. Okay, that's just where it is. They were the Celtic Druids that brought this civilization into there, that part of the world. Women were always looked upon as the oracle reader. That's where you get the idea of uh, the, um, um, the ability to, uh, to, to read palms of hands and things like that. You know, the whole idea of the gypsy. And all I say to people, if you want to know who the gypsy was, just put an E before the gypsy. See, when they want to take your attention away from something, they'll just drop a letter. And you'll miss the whole gypsy. These were the Egyptians or the Chemites that went into Europe and brought civilization. And it was the woman that brought the, the structure of the society and what St. Patrick represents. And that's why he's stepping on the snake because the snake is a feminine principle. Irta. She is a feminine principle. And so when he's stepping on the snake, he's changing the matrilineal system of Ireland to the patriarchal system, and that's why he's called St. Patrick. Wow. That's the name, Patrick, which goes back to patriarchy, which destroyed the power of the woman in Ireland and in England and brought forward the male-dominant society that did not allow them to move forward. And so that's who St. Patrick is. And that's why he's stepping on the snake. Now we can talk about the leprechaun, but all I got to say is if you got a leprechaun that has a rainbow and at the end of the rainbow, you got gold. I know that gold did not come from Ireland. So where did that gold come from? And why is he green? Because he's a sar, the resurrection and the light of the Twa and Booty people, the short statured people. Wow.
Thank you so much for that. You know, that was so, so fire and amazing. You know, I'm not going to hold you up anymore. And we definitely have to do this again. You know, it's just been amazing. Yes, my sister, Chacha, can I tell you, please, uh, you're not holding me up. Oh, you want to keep going? (laughs) Well, well, we're going to wrap it up because there's a certain point in time after two and a half hours. (laughs) Yeah, because I can do this all night, you know. (laughs) But but what I want to tell you, my sister, more than anything else, because even the audience needs a breather to think about some things we talked about today. Yeah, we we unpacked a lot. You know, sometimes even too much of a good thing can be dangerous. Yes. But what I want to say to you and what I want to say to all of us is I love us immensely. And I think yes. we deserve the best. And I think the children deserve the best because they are the best. And it's not about an achievement gap. It's about an opportunity gap. We have to give our yes. children the opportunity to excel. And so this gives us an opportunity to have these types of conversations. And so I just want to... let you realize how much I've enjoyed and how honored I am to be able to share this information and to all those who are in attendance and to all those who don't agree with what I say, I love you too. And it's all right. You don't have to agree with me. Just allow me to encourage you to think. That's all I want to do. Not looking for no agreement, not looking for disagreement, just looking for us to think. Because once we think, we're going to get up out of this. And ain't nobody going to have to push us. We're going to know it naturally. It's time to get up out of this. And guess what? Yes. It's time to get up out of this. All power to the people. Power to All the power. people. All yes. Power. All power. All power to the people. Yes. Yes. Um. It was amazing, and I feel empowered, you know, and I hope everybody else that's listening feel empowered themselves, and it, it's amazing. Can I ask a question? Oh. Your mom, your mom, who's that? Your mom. Zai. Zai, Zai. Okay. Um, I just want to know, what do you guys uh, think is a good place to start with shadow work? Did you hear what she said? Shadow work? Yeah, she asked, what, what do you feel like is a good place to start with shadow work? How does she define shadow work? Well, I was told that I should cleanse and stand naked in front of a mirror and light a black candle and speak to my ancestors and speak into the mirror, which I did. I've done that a few times, but um, spiritually, I feel like it's not really, like it, it's helped me, but not to the point where I feel like I'm cleansed of certain things. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's more I could be doing. Yeah. Well, my sister, you have all the answers. You were born with all the answers that you need. But let me tell you this, just in terms of our ancestors. Uh, I know there are people that will say black candle. There'll be people that will say stand in the mirror. There'll be people that will give you a ritual. What I'm telling you is that you can sit down in the quietude of yourself and be one with your ancestors. It's, it's not that hard. Think of being a parent. You want your children to call you. What would you like them to say to you when they, when they talk to you? 
And the same things that you would like a child to tell a parent is the same thing our ancestors want us to tell them. Recognize them. I see you. I love you. I understand you. I'm not asking you for anything. I'm just asking you to guide me. Let me see what it is that I have to do to fulfill my divine gift. And you know, my sister, if you go back 400 years, I take you back 400 years, okay? 20 generations. Some people say 20, a generation is 20 years. Some say 25 years. Some say 30. I'm going to put 20 just to make it kind of simple. But if I took you back 20 generations, 400 years to the year 1622, and if I were to look at your ancestors, to the sister that I'm speaking to right now, to you, my sister Chacha, to me, and to all the other people that are online here. If you would account how many people it took to get you here. Now tell now, family, this is mathematics now. This ain't no twilight zone. It's called exponential expansion equation. E E E. Exponential exponential expansion equation. Using that formula, you have two parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, 16 great-great-grandparents. If I took you back 20 generations, it would have taken, get ready for it, 1,048,476 people, my bad, 576 people, 1 million 48,576 people to come into existence to bring you into existence. Right now, if you go back 400 years, you have 1,048,576 ancestors that dwell in you. That's math. Two parents or grandparents. But now, I only took you back 400 years. What happened if I took you back 4 million? How many ancestors do you have in you? And this is what gave our ancestors, our people on the plantation, the strength to deal with what they dealt with because they knew that they never walked alone. And they knew that they had a collection of human beings with all sorts of experiences, with happiness, with sadness, with murder, with life. They had, all, and we have that all in us. Every day that we live, we live with our ancestors and our ancestors are willing to guide us. All they're asking us to do is recognize them. And again, I respect all rituals, however people would like to do what they do. But I'm going to tell you what I do. I just walk down the hallway in my house and I'd be talking to my parents, my great grandparents. I even talk to my ancestors that I don't know. I say, I don't know you. I don't even know that you existed. Just like I tell you in years to come. When those that I will never know and they never knew me, what will they think of me? Well, I'm talking to my ancestors like I pray they will talk to me one day 100, 200 years from now. I don't think we need ritual. We just need a good heart. Talk to them. Recognize them. Thank them for all that they did to get you where you are. And they will come into your life. And, and they will achieve things for you. I'm not asking no gifts. I don't pray, please give me this or give me that. The connection with our ancestors is very important. And they did not do what they did back then to leave us alone now. And they're asking for us to reach out to them. And I reach out to them 
all day long. <laughs> it's not even like I just start praying. I might yeah, that, be going, that's, that's uh, what I was about to, to tell it too. It can't be like a one thing. It got to be a perpetual thing, something that you do on a daily basis, you know, every day. Every day and be comfortable with it. And don't be afraid that you're not doing it. You know, sometimes people say, well, how do you pray? Well, I say, how do you talk? <laughs> because that's what you're doing. You're talking. You're, and you're, you're talking to yourself because who you're calling upon is within you. You're not calling the ancestors. Like when I do libation, I'm not calling the ancestors outside to come into the room. I am asking the ancestors from within me to come out into the room. And so I encourage you, my sister, don't make it complex. And you don't have to spend money. All our ancestors want is the same thing anybody else wants. Acceptance, approval, and acknowledgement. The three A's. And all you got to do is periodically, I love you. I respect you. I see you. Something happened. Somebody say something to you. You say, I respect you. And then you're honoring the ancestors. But don't make it complicated. And, and you don't have to scare yourself. Thinking that if you don't say it a certain way or if you don't like the can. Like, I mean, people come to me with, with Kwanzaa and they say, what happens if I don't like the black candle first? Well, it don't make a difference. It don't even make a difference if you got a black candle. You could have seven red candles. You could have seven green candles. If you have the black and then the three green and three red, okay, you're, you're in. But it's what's in your heart that matters. Yeah. But their heart's not right. You got other people that use construction paper, because I always use construction paper with my family because I didn't want fire. And so we used to do it with construction paper, where we would create yellow, orange, and red little things that look like the flames, and we would light the candle for Kwanzaa like that. Plus, I didn't have the money for that kind of setup. <laughs> but our heart was right. Our heart was yeah, right and self-determination and collective work and responsibility and, and cooperative economics and purpose and creativity and Imani. The heart was right. And that's why in the comedic legacy, your heart will be weighed by the feather to see if you've lived a proper life. Your heart is what matters. They, they used to put solution through your nose and pull your brain out your head. So your brain wasn't the most important thing. It's your heart that they judged your life by. You have a heavy heart, you have a light heart. What does your heart say? Follow that. And the ancestors will guide you. I guarantee you, they will guide you. Yes. Thank you so much for that. That was extremely powerful. Yes. Yeah, I think I did. Yes, and you know, and I think that's a great way to to, to end the the, the 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 dialogue between us. Um, it was everything and more that I ever hoped for. And Professor Kaba, I am so honored to even have this discussion with you. And and we family now, so I don't care. Even if you don't like it, we family now. You're just gonna have to deal with that. Yeah, right. and, and 
and we're going to definitely do this again. You know, um, we have to keep um, reiterating this because I feel like this is very necessary in this world. You know, um, we live in a world where our, especially our youth are confused. You know, they don't believe in the same um, institutions or the things that are coming out of there. Um, and they don't have confidence in their future. You know, they don't have the same kind of stability and structure we had, even though we complain about it all the time, but they don't have that, especially coming out of this pandemic and uh, time of uncertainty. So um, you are very necessary to the process and, and, and the movement towards the future. And I hope me as well as other people like me get in contact with you so we could continue to have these discussions and impact the future generations and, and get back on track uh, uh, to who we are as a people and as, as a nation and individual because you can't have all those things without having the individual mm -hmm. together first. So you are very important in our life, um, past, present, and, 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 and obviously future. And I just wanted to let you know that, you know, it's been an honor and I feel like I'm blessed just sharing the stage with you. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we leave? My sister, I just want to say peace to you. I want to say how proud I am of the work that you're doing for our, for our people collectively. And I say to you, keep on keeping on. It ain't over till we win. Solar yes. power is the future wealth of the planet. And keep in mind, yes. all power to the people. All power to the people. I'm mad I didn't wear Afro. I should have wore Afro today. I really wish I should have did that. But, yes. but, but you, you know. want to know something, my sister? It's all right the way you came. You came the way you were ready to come. Come the yes. way you're ready to come. Do your thing, my sister. You do you. I do me. And together, we're going to do it one thing once Yeah, we're going to do the damn thing. That's what you're going to say. we're doing it as we speak. We're doing it yes. as we speak. It ain't over till we win. And the key is to love yourself, to respect yourself, and to know that the creator don't make mistakes. So however you are is how the creator wanted you to be. So stand tall and know that you have ancestors that are just waiting to talk to you. Just call. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank Peace, you, family. Brother. Peace. Peace and blessings. Peace. Power to the people and all that good stuff. <laughs> Okay. See you soon. See you next time. Yeah. Yes, Instagram. Then I come through again another week. What? Live at radio. Shout out to everybody that was tuned in to this dope interview. It was gems upon gems upon gems. Yes. If you didn't learn nothing, then you gotta be a vegetable. Like it's ain't no way. Ain't no way. Yes. Shout out to everybody that was tuning into Live at Radio. I want to send a special shout out to Team Pack Up and everybody in Clubhouse that bore witness to this. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button, that notification bell, so you can get all our interviews as we post them. And yeah, check out for Cha Cha Live Media. Um, we are re renovating our website; it will be back up um, and at your service shortly so stay tuned for that we got a long line of other dope amazing interviews coming up so please stay tuned or tune in so you can stay tuned and with that being said i want to end off by saying shout out 
to Sean Price. Today is his 50th birthday. Um, I was supposed to be out there with Bernadette. I'm going to make uh, send a major love and shout out to his wife, Bernadette, and his daughter, little Sean. You know, I, I was trying to make it because I was going to do both at the same time. I was going to go to an event, find a quiet spot, conduct the interview, and then get back to the party. But see, life didn't want that. It, this um, conversation deserved my um, my undivided attention, and I'm blessed for it. And I'm pretty sure Bernadette will understand. But I do want to take this time out to send a major love to Sean Price, the barbarian, 50th birthday. May he rest in peace. You know, shout out to Help the Scouter and the whole boot camp click. Um, and much love and respect. That's my family, for real, for real, for real, for real. Those that know and been following Live at Radio, you already know the vibes between me and Bootcamp Click, and that's what it is. But yeah, shout out to everybody. I wish all of y'all a good night, and I see you next week. Peace and blessings. Thank you for watching. Like, comment, and share. But most importantly, subscribe and hit that notification bell. ChaChaLive.media. Let's get it.